episode number 175, Holman, 175. Yep, we're going to celebrate by having uh, our good friend Gail Banks on, since everybody's been like, when's Gail coming back? But because uh, we spent so much time with him, he was so generous with his time, we're actually going to break it up into uh, two episodes. So uh, we'll have uh, two gale episodes, or one, part one, part two, and then uh, a full show around that so you won't be gypped at all of your uh, free Truck Show podcast listening. So this is uh, Galesode Trace Part, part Uno. One. Okay. Yes, if you speak Spanish, that would be correct. <laughs> I don't. It's obvious, isn't it? It's very obvious to me. <laughs> okay, so I've got a question for you. The hell is wrong with you? Are you asking because of our conversation that we were having before the show started? Yes. Why would you add a device to your car that can track you, that somebody else has control over what it displays, and mm-hmm. by the way, it doesn't display turn on your headlights, and you have to pay a monthly fee for that. Holman's referring to the new digital license plate that I'm about to pick up, and uh, this is by, I think it's Reviver, correct? I don't know who it's by because I don't care about them. And I've been following them for quite some time. and I, I want to put in... A Kindle on my back of my cars and pay a hundred bucks a year for that pleasure of having an e-ink display that can track me. So the Reviver plate is it does look like a uh, a Kindle, like an Amazon. It literally Kindle, looks right? like a Kindle, an and it's either white background with uh-huh. black letters or black background with white letters. Okay, and I really like the way it looks. And I'm not cool with the fact that it is it, it tracks you and can track you, mm-hmm. right? I like the fact that uh, it's easier to re-register my car every two years. That's cool. But mostly I just How like the it way it looks. How is easier than paying? You go online, you pay money, stickers come to your house. How is that? What is easier about that? It's just you can set it up automatically through the app. So you're going to have license plates on your car that are an app. Yes, that's correct. So that the Russians can steal all your information. <laughs> I'm getting it because I like the looks, not because I want to be tracked you by are the Russians. Perfect foil. Why? Do it so this. What do they call that? A uh, useful idiot, I believe, is the term. Why? Because they're going to go build it for the guy. Nobody will do this except for that one guy who thinks e-ink on his car is cool, and then he'll do it. Um. I yeah. I, I like adopting tech fairly. That's you know, not out adopting of the box. tech. Adopting tech is my cassette player now has a thousand songs in my pocket because it's MP3, or mm-hmm. my diff cover now has a RAM air scoop and has the right hydrodynamic properties inside. I mean, look, that's upgrading tech. All right. So this is putting the- a useless <sighs> freaking e-ink license plate where somebody else can sell advertising on it. Or they can do whatever they want to it so that you can have have a nice day. No, scroll no, no. across the so bottom. I'm not if that's the case, if they can run ads, um, which I don't believe they will, but if they can they've if they talked do, about it. It's not right now, but but they've talked about Well then I'm not gonna run it. I'm gonna run a standard metal plate. I mean, there are those that don't like giving money to the to the uh, federal penitentiary system because they don't wanna, you know, be pumping money into 
uh, and, and have that's the plates. But no, that's what I was talking. A guy today. So on the way to the podcast, you guys don't know this. I'm driving in, and I talked to my buddy who's become a a reseller of these Reviver plates, right? These digital license plates. Now these license plates are only available in California and Arizona. That's it so far. There are eight other states apparently that are coming online yes. soon. Of course, California. Well, how this it. started is Lightning goes. We need to have them on the show, and I'm like. Why would I want that on the show? I've wanted them on the show Why? for over a year. And I because it's it's it, it's it's vehicles, it's trucks uh-huh. and it looks cool and it it's doesn't. tech. Well then you can say what that What happens to the, when somebody decides to just rip it off your back of your truck? They can't use it because it's locked to your VIN and your in the app on your phone. But just because just just to spite you. So you have to spend $599 to that's, replace it. That's possible. Where I can go to my D- the DMV and go, I've stolen plates, and it's like twenty four dollars. I don't know. Maybe they have insurance. We can ask if, if there's a contingency for that. But I, I like the way it looks, dude. I even like the you know the new paper They're plates. They're bulky. They don't look good. They're like a half an inch thick with a big black border around them, and it's e ink. I've seen them on the road. I'm like, Ugh. no. But see, I always run. A lot of people like a license plate with no frame on it. I like a frame on it. I like a solid black frame on it. Right, so I have the Banks ones. We have custom Banks ones at work, and they have a solid border around with the logo and such. But if I well, didn't you have you that, you can't run that on these. There's no way to put a license plate frame around. I, it. I understand that. I wouldn't do that. It would be nice if I could customize this instead of saying California at the bottom. I could say you know whatever I wanted to. You know, screw Holman, something like that. I mean, nice. I would welcome that. Right, it'd be fun. But I like the look. I actually really like, and you're going to think this is ridiculous, is like I like the new paper plates in California. The paper plates, when you drive off a lot now in the state of California, they, they cannot- have 50 things of writing on them. I, listen to me. Listen to Here's me. Here's my VIN. Here's no, my date. Li- Here's my thing. Here's- no, I don't, I'm not going to run that. I'm not, I don't like. I don't want that d- format. But you what I like- You want a black and white plate. I want, a, I want a black and white plate, and I'm willing to pay something for it. How much will I pay for it? It's not 550 bucks like they want, all right? So I'm not willing to pay that yet. How about $55 a year or $4.99 a month, which the, is what you, they want? I pay 55 and so do you for your license plates every single year. No, I pay yes, that for do. my registration. You pay that for your customized plate. That's you pay, true. You pay that for your customized plate. So forget about that 55 bucks because you're going to pay that no matter what. It's the upfront hardware cost that's five hundred dollars, four ninety nine or five fifty, five hundred bucks. Right, so you you're gonna justify anything that you want. It's no no different than people buying uh you know a, a really expensive shift knob on your on your Jeep. That Except you don't... a really efficient, a really expensive shift knob might be cool. So is this? This I, I this like is this. not cool. It's just that is your opinion. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. If you think you should have computerized screens for your license plate that the government can change the messaging whenever they want, sell ads, and track you. Well, I think you're you're pointing out all the negatives. Absolutely, I am. Well, I, 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 I see the positive Okay, what's here. the positive? The positive is, is you that like the way it looks. I would like to, and I don't have the answer, I would like to be able to customize the message on top or bottom beneath the seven you know, characters, and I really like the look. I do like that e-ink look. I think it's cool. And, um, you know, I... I Drive, you know, a couple of white cars, and I think it'll look really cool there. I don't like the California license plate, and a lot of the other plates, God forbid you live in New Jersey, or plates like that where they have awful, awful plates. You know, there are some cool uh, states, but listen, you spend all that time and energy on your truck, and here's these God-awful license plates that ruin the ass end of your truck. You know, you got this beautiful tailgate and a, and a color match bumper. You don't think bumper. having a screen on your front bumper where we're required to have two plates in California 
It doesn't ruin the aesthetic? I'm not. I never run a front plate. You have to. I will not. You will have to. No, You'll I have won't. to buy two of them. So no, it's I actually $1,000. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Then what happens when you get a fix it ticket? As a matter of fact. Now, when you get a fix it ticket, instead of just going to your garage mm-hmm. to that little spot between your sleeping bags where you shoved in your extra plate, now you got to. Go buy a new e-ink plate. No, for me, I'm just putting on the metal plate with freaking you know duct tape. I'm just rolling in there. Oh, with so some well, there of... goes your aesthetic argument. But that's just temporary. As I get the plate, Let's, I'm being realistic. I'm just going in there, getting okay, this, getting it getting, signed off, and then and then I take it right back off again. And just then like, the same cop that hates you, who's been no, waiting it, down it, your street, it doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, knock on wood. Yeah, as you knock, knock on, on wood, I am knocking on wood, but on that just doesn't happen. Listen. Right now, there, there was a time when you and I were growing up, and we'd hang out in Newport Beach or Costa Mesa or wherever we were at the beach, same with all of our friends in Florida, right, or wherever you are, and the cops would nail you for for uh, for tint. I'm sorry, maybe that didn't happen in Florida, but in, in Southern California, you would get nailed for any amount of tint on your front windows in front of your, your shoulder, right, in front of your the driver's shoulder. So now, I, I can't even find a car on the road in Southern California without tint, and yet, it's still illegal. So what I'm saying is the cops today are like, I got bigger fish to fry than a dude with window tint or a guy with no front license plate. You hope. Well, I'm passed every day at 110 miles an hour. These guys rip by me. Those are the guys that the cops hopefully want to get. Hopefully. Control. Well, yeah, I'm hoping so. So going back to the plate thing, I like the tech. I don't want to be tracked. But, you know, the guy that I talked to today that's become a reseller for these Reviver plates, he's like, look, he's like, he's like lightning. If you if you are worried about being tracked, a quote then, from then, online from the dude. Uh, his name is Neville Boston. He's the reviver. He, he's the reviver founder and chief strategy officer. "Quote unquote." You own the plate, but the message and the plate number are owned by the state. Well, th- that's always been the case. But you're talking about adding your own message to well, it. Well, okay. The message. I'm sorry. The, the the number on the plate. You can request. Whatever it is, you know, he like says, your think ADBG. about it as a digital display until it's actually activated and provisioned, and then it becomes a compliance tool. So what happened is I and I don't know this for sure. I'm dying to talk to him on the air. I do want to I get him on the air. Not. Listen, then I want you to I want you to voice this opinion. I'm I want you to doing to, it right now. No, I want you to do it to his face. Have some nuts and say it to his face if you don't like it. Has no nothing but, to do with whether I have nuts or not. I, I think these are stupid. Then say that to him. But he doesn't need to come on the show. I want to talk to him. All right, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. If I, you I'm want interested. to have a one-sided conversation No, that's, with that's ridiculous. Man. You should say that to him and let him rebut you. You should let him say, no, Holman, let me explain with the theory. Or you don't have to get it if you don't like it. To me, uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's novel. But I, I'm not going to get it. The, you the don't argument, have to. The argument isn't me bitching because I'm being forced into it. Right. My argument is bitching because you want to bring that onto the show. I do. So I that's my reason for for arguing against. I understand that I don't have to have it on my personal car. I get that. But I don't think we have to expose and make the poor truck show podcast audience suffer through that, no, more tracking devices. And no, that's not fair. That's not fair that you stuff. get to, that you can this is we are you guys know, maybe you don't know. We agree on I mean 99%. I I can't even remember the last time we disagreed on a guest. Literally, Holman brings guests in all the time. I bring some guests in, and we're like, that sounds great. I'm interested. I don't know anything about this this trailer that's solar-powered and that type of thing, Like, but it sounds really interesting. Do it. Book it. I'm really excited to talk to that guy. We almost never disagree because we're so fascinated by novel inventions and entrepreneurs. You guys listen to the show. You know what we're up to, but 
when it comes to something like this and we disagree, I'm interested. I want to talk to him. I'm like, is there a business case for this? So from my understanding, he's actually it, 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 it's not connecting necessarily with uh, with consumers like me. He's going out and working with Tesla and they're working with dealerships. And they're putting them on new cars. They're baking that $500 into the lease payment. You never even feel it. And apparently on the back end for dealers and whatever, it makes their lives easier and it looks cool. So I don't know. It, it, to me in the future, every new Tesla or every new you know, Cybertruck or new Ford you know, Lightning uh, Electric is going to come with a digital license plate. Like it or not, it's going to happen. And this guy, just like we all use Google. I hate that, like it or not, it's going to happen because you're just giving up. I'm not, but you, sometimes- It's coming, so F it. Well, then, then if you know that, then you have to work around it or you have to figure out how your life works or works does not work with it. In this case, I think that- they are. It is coming, and this guy is at the forefront. Now, his technology may not be the best. He may not have an exclusive, but I'll tell you what he did do. He made it through all the freaking red tape in Sacramento. Like, he somehow got the DMV. Oh, really? A bunch of, a bunch of uh, legislatures who, who can't run a state except for into the ground who want extra revenue. Not what I'm saying. Not agreeing with it. I'm saying that somehow he made it through the red yeah, tape. Yeah, it's money. Okay. Oh, this will make you more money. Okay, it's in. Sure, maybe so, but it's still through the red tape somehow. Whether he not he, he lined pockets or whatever he did, I'm not saying he did. I'm saying it's possible, uh, but it's worth talking to. Lawyer cease and desist in no, three, two, one. Let's, I'm not saying he did that. I want to talk to the guy, and I think it's interesting. But you're not talking to the guy. You're talking to a distributor for the guy. No, 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 no. That's just We me. should be talking to the guy guy then. We. That's what I'm referring Yes, I, I didn't mean to lead you astray. I'm merely talking to a distributor on my own. I on the show, I want to talk to the 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 dude that apparently started this in his garage, at least according to the story on the website. So I am interested in where he thinks this is going. And of course, you know, I would assume him to say, uh, I would assume he's going to say, this is the future. Like eventually everything's gonna be digital. Like, why do you care if I'm tracking you? If you buy a Tesla, you're already being tracked everywhere. You know, and I think that 20 years from now, at some point, there'll be car. You and I won't have a choice. We're going to drive a vehicle that if if the California Highway Patrol says you're break, you're going 80, they'll be able to slow us down and we won't be able to go over 80 or something. Jeez, this is getting worse and worse. You're like talking me. OK, I was already out of it. Yeah. And now you've talked to me across but the street. I'm not saying that the license plate's going to do that, homie. I'm going to say that that's like. This I want to have the conversation now, just like we have the conversation with like deleting emissions equipment and it's scary and and like what's that doing to our industry and if and, only and I could find only, out where this VIN is right now. Hold on, he has an R plate, Mister Warrant Having Officer. Oh, it's parked right here. Let's go check and see if he has a, a DPF on it. They can do that now if they if you had a Tesla. I don't have a Tesla, but the top. But listen, your children might. Right, and I should fight for that, fight against that as long as possible. Uh, okay, I'm not disagreeing with that fight. I think it's worth having a conversation with the person you're going to fight. So, look, we're we're going to. I, I don't like the phrase "agree to disagree," but for this moment, we are agreeing Sounds that like we're a going cop to. Have out. To, it is well, no, it's not a cop out because I, last year I reached out to the dude. They didn't get back to me. Um, I don't know why, but maybe they will now if that's what they're promoting. So. Uh, my buddy is buying these plates by batches of like 20s and 30s I hope at he's a time. People uh, front and rear at the same time, as per the law in California. Well, see, you're just you're just trying to throw them under the bus. 
Just because you don't agree with it doesn't. There's so much you break the law every time you drive, dude. So don't don't get on him because he's not selling front license plates. That's weenie. You know that you is. You break the law every time you drive too. We all do. So don't try and throw him under the bus because you don't like something he's selling. I'm just saying he's that not in selling this particular drugs. case, you have to sell too. He's not selling drugs to children. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? He's selling digital license plates, which is stupid. It's Oh, my God. All right. Truckjoepodcast at gmail.com. But, Holman, here's the thing. If you were to buy a brand-new Nissan Titan, you wouldn't have to worry about an R-plate. They don't come with them. Well, good. Then I'm in. (laughs) Okay. 11,040 pounds of towing capacity on the mighty, mighty Nissan Titan XD. And, of course, uh, the industry's best warranty at five-year, 100,000 miles. So if you're in the market for a uh, badass truck, then you want to check out our friends over at NissanUSA.com or head to uh, the dealership where you can sit in those zero-gravity seats and listen to that Fender audio system in person. And what's the latest with our friends over at Duralast? Uh, you mean uh, DuralastParts.com, the company that has over 750 part types and over 100,000 SKUs in uh, electronics? Do they really? 100,000? 100,000. I do not want to be the warehouse clerk over at Duralast. <laughs> uh, tested under extreme temperature, humidity, vibration, built with thicker insulation and heat-resistant materials for longer life and durability, Precisely calibrated to match or exceed the OE standards for performance, and hardware is included for faster, easier installation where applicable. If you uh, want to check out uh, these parts more, head on down to your local AutoZone, where original equipment is not the only option for quality sensors, switches, and ignition components. Now, wait a minute. Say that again, and I want you to say it like uh, like you would hear it on a television commercial. You ready? Say it say like, like Radio Man? Yeah, radio. I want that radio-like part. Uh, yeah. Here, you you do it first so I can hear you. And then well, I don't have the copy. Well, just read something. Read something in the room. Uh, okay, I'm going to read uh, this Dr. Pepper can right here. All right. All right, let's see here. All right. Dr. Pepper established 1885, authentic blend of 23 flavors. All right. All right. Duralastparts.com. Vehicle electronics. Original equipment is not the only option for quality. No, no, sensor. start again. No, no, no. you blurt. You, oh, you blast man. it right through options. So try it again. And I want. I want more. I want pukey, as they say. Duralastparts.com. Original equipment's not the only option for quality sensors, switches, and ignition components. Duralast vehicle electronics are built by OE and Tier One manufacturers. Dude, that makes me was that, smile. Is that pretty good? Yeah. Can I, can I be radio guy? Yeah, almost. I wonder uh, I wonder if uh, Duralast appreciates us doing radio guy, though. I don't know. I think it's I think it's solid, right? I think I, so. I think it's a good... All right, all right, hold on. Just because I want to make sure that we give them uh, their, their bang for the buck, uh, can, I, uh, can I add something on here? Uh, sure. Duralast. 83% of professional installers rank Duralast as a high-quality parts brand. <laughs> Was that that was the dude from Simpsons, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Troy McClure. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from such podcasts as The Truck Show with Holman and Lightning. No, it's Lightning and Holman oh, and sorry. it's Duralast. Duralastparts.com and AutoZone. Go eat your stuff. All right. Uh, should we uh, should we fade into uh, to our sound effect uh, with our friends at Borla? Are you talking about when we get to... Know your notes. Yes. All yes, right. please. All right. Are you aware that we haven't even started the show yet officially? Yeah. I'm just saying, okay. Okay. Keep on going. Let's get in to know your note for our friends over at Borla. Lightning. This is the part <laughs> of the Truck Show podcast where you get to guess what Borla exhausts. Know your notes. This is. All right, Holman, this is where I'm going to do a very poor job uh-huh. at trying to know my note. All right. You All ready? Right. Yeah. So this is a, is this a stock vehicle or is this a... 
Borlaized. Is, is that Borlaized? Is that a word? This is a Borla catback S type. Are you ready? And the S type is the uh, the middle it's tier, the middle. correct? Yep. Okay, between right. a touring and attack. And an attack would be the really growly, aggressive one with the nice popping noises. Okay. All right, you ready? That sounds like a four cylinder. Okay. Hmm. All right, lighting. Do you know your notes? All right, so I think this is a four-cylinder, and I'm going to say it's a four-cylinder. God, it's a four-cylinder. Could it be a Toyota Tacoma? It could not be. It could not be. Hmm. Is this a? Uh, is this a Nissan Frontier? It is not. Not a Nissan Frontier. Uh, is it a four-cylinder? Yeah, it is four-cylinder. Colorado. <laughs> Still no. What am I missing? What else is a four-cylinder truck? My word, man. What am I forgetting? You, ha- you had said something earlier that was right on the money. Uh-huh. Oh, I said, well, first, oh, okay, wait, 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 wait. EcoBoost. Uh, a Ford F-150 EcoBoost. <sighs> no, I'm wrong again? Still no. Oh, no. Do you want me to save you? Yeah, you're going to have to. What is this? 2019 to 2021 Ford Ranger 2.3 liter EcoBoost. Oh, that's the Holman getting it right and <laughs> me getting it wrong. Dude, you were right there. Oh what happened? I'm, to- I, I'm awful at this. Well, clearly I didn't. Know your notes. Vroom, 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 vroom. Well, listen, David Borla, I apologize for, uh, for sucking at this game, but I will tell you that your... Your exhaust systems have an amazing way of, of turning an average truck into an amazing sounding truck. Well done, Lighting. Borla.com. And don't forget, made in America out of T304 stainless steel, million-mile warranty, and no drone guarantee. So on that exhaust note, let's start the show. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck, because truck rides with we have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Oh, oh. It's the truck show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. All right, Holman, what? Is first on the schedule here on episode 175. Uh, I think we just get right into uh, Gail Banks. Oh, really? Yeah. We're going to do the uh, Gail-isode trace. Unless you want to uh, hear truck news and then get into Gail. I think uh, our listeners sat through almost a half an hour of us blathering in the beginning, talking about uh, digital plates. We should jump right into Gail. And blather with him. This email starts off, Dale, I'm so happy with my purchase. Thanks for making quality parts. That's okay. You can call me anything. In all fairness, the D and G aren't even next to each other on the keyboard. They're actually separated by an F. So I don't know how they the, the grade I give him for uh, well, <laughs> attention to detail. I can be G A I L, G A Y L E. 
Oh. G-A-E-L, which is the original spelling of my sure. name. And G-A-L-E is the Americanized I version. I know how you figured out all the spellings. You went to Starbucks. And the reason I say that is because you don't know how many spellings there are for your name until you go to Starbucks, which Ooh, you I know. Done. I'm a S-E-A-N, of course, but there's a S-H-O-N. There's C-H-O-N. There's S-H-A-W-N, S-H-A-U-N, it, on S-H-A-W-N. and on. S-H-A-W-N. I mean, no, I can't say. <laughs> 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 Say beep. All right, well, this is the Galasode number Trace. Three. What? I why, was gonna, Trace you, is way cooler. Well, why are you being ethnic? Is this like Trace Amigos? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. So. Where, uh, where's my hat? Don't I get a hat? You do not get a hat. Well, oh, okay. uh, the budget has been slashed because all the money goes to uh, Lightning's paycheck, and we weren't able to afford <laughs> oh, Jesus, uh, don't talk to anything me like that. that. Mm. Oh, Wait, you God. pay him too? <laughs> I'm slave labor around here. <laughs> so you guys just got off the dyno because well, something was exciting going on. There's outside. a thing that you drive over, mm-hmm. and you do a bunch of stuff, and then you drive really fast, except you don't leave the thing, and then you cheer or you don't cheer at the end. And, 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 and then you do a podcast. And what happened? Uh, did you cheer or not cheer? Only when you frag a tire. Yeah, you cheer. No, that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's when you hope the uh, iPhone is going in slow motion <laughs> so you can catch it and win the internet that mm-hmm. day. Tire frags on Gail Bank's dyno. Ooh. Yeah. You know, or something like or, that. Ouch. Uh, we were, uh, Gail graciously offered to uh, do the baseline and the after run of our uh, Edelbrock supercharger install on the Adventure Jeep on the 20JL. Uh, 3.6, and it's. I'm always fascinated by dyno numbers, and of course, it's really hard to compare one dyno, uh, you know, to another. It's always better to do them on the same dyno. There's ways of sort of comparing and being in the same neighborhood, but every dyno is a little bit different. Obviously, Gale knows his dyno, and we experimented. We experimented uh, with the uh, snorkel pre-filter on and off. We experimented with uh, certain temperatures. The lowest we saw was 189 on coolant. The highest was like 212 or 213 after run. And it definitely affects power. Uh, our best runs were when we started in the uh, the low 190s. But I'm amazed uh, Gail's dyno really thinks I have a lot of torque. So uh, 285, 260, so 285 horsepower, 260 pound-feet of torque at the crank from the factory. And uh, we saw numbers around uh, 212. Um, actually, we got a, a couple of those. I think our best we was... We got a 214. 214 was our best. And then uh, with the pre-filter on, our best was a 210 horsepower. But what was fascinating to me is... Two, and these are uncorrected numbers, so 210.4 and 255 pound-feet of, uh, of torque. And uh, that's, you know, that's like almost no loss from the factory number. So I must have some sort of magic going on. I have a magical uh, uh, drive shaft or maybe it's like, uh, you know, Lance Armstrong where, you know, you crash on the bike and the wheels do keep spinning. There's something under there that is helping out. Is it a hybrid? Did I buy a hybrid? I don't know it. I'm not familiar with that story. Oh. I don't follow uh, professional bicycle racing. You did call him the testicle man the other I did call him because well, that's what he was known for. Didn't he have I testicular cancer? Uh, I don't think he was known as the testicle man. Oh, that's man. how I knew him. Okay. Well, <laughs> so anyway, um uh, interested to see what our uh, what our after numbers are and um it wasn't it wasn't just the dyno. Well, There's a we I, installed an instrument. I, I was getting there. Okay. So so we uh, we installed the i dash and one of the things I, I personally really like about the i dash is I don't need to have 20 dash gauges everywhere. I have one gauge, one standard, it was a 52 millimeter, 1.8 size gauge, and you can do up to five pages of- Oh, it's a two and a 16. Two and a 16. And you can do up to five pages of eight different uh, parameters, as we like to call in the Truck Show podcast. 
there are all sorts of values that a standard gauge out in the industry does not offer. And there's hundreds or at least a hundred plus different values that you can pull out of the OBD2 system. And so it allows you to, ma- to really monitor in real time and data log with the Data Monster version. So you guys added a couple sensors to it and we're gonna add a couple bungs to the, uh, to the supercharger or a couple fittings so that we can monitor a couple other parameters. Uh, when we get the blower on. So I'm, I'm excited, and the, uh, the iDash is super cool, and I've been wanting to play with it. And up until this point, every time I've asked Lightning for one, he's like, no. That's just not true. You didn't have a, a real use he for it. He gives them freely to guys who walk, walk up on well, the street out front. <laughs> Hey, you got an eye dash here? Take two. They're small. Well, I usually see him. He, he likes to uh, he likes to skip around with a satchel and just like uh, you know, throw them out to you know people on the street. Like yeah. Santa's sack. Hey, how about the, well, how about an eye dash? I don't have a use for this. But well, it, this is to spite Holman. So, but that long coat that he wears. Don't let him open it up. Yeah, under, I mean, under any just, circumstances. Yeah. It's not an eye dash under there. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, not an eye dash. No. So, I, I can we talk about what you expect to to see with this? Uh, Edelbrock claims uh, 331 horsepower. So, I think so. For me, the the real interesting thing is there's a lot of different blowers out there. There's uh, there's Rip, uh, which is a centrifugal. There's Magnuson, obviously a great name. Magnuson and Edelbrock both use uh, Eaton TVS blowers. The Magnuson one has a TVS uh, 1900. The Edelbrock has a 1320. Um, you know, there's uh, other centrifugal ones out there. Uh, there's a Prodigy makes a turbo kit. There's all sorts of stuff. The reason I settled on uh, on Edelbrock after a lot of research for me personally, and one of the other, there's nothing wrong with these other kits. They may be perfect for you. It seems like Edelbrock has their tuning down. They also have a carb EO, which is super important to those of us who live in California. Um, the other ones are carb pending. And I felt that their power quoted uh, power levels were a lot more reasonable. So uh, going from a, you know, the stock engine is 285 horsepower, uh, which equates to around, you know, in stock trim, 220 at the wheels, something like that, 225. And they're cl- claiming 331 where the other guys are up around 385, 395. And I just don't want to be on that ragged edge of tuning, especially since the second generation Pentastar that's in the JLs has a 10.5 to one compression ratio. So they up that compression ratio. And I just, I don't want to be making that much power. I don't need to be doing four wheel burnouts in my JL. What I want is usable power. I want more torque, which a roots blower is known for being able to produce at lower RPMs. I want to, uh, RPM, I should say. I, I also want, um, you know, there's, there's two things. There's the highway side and the off-road side. The off-road side is more torque. I want to be able to be in four high more and not feel like the engine's lugging because I, I don't have enough torque in four high, so I go to four low, but I'm in a four-to-one transfer case, and that means driving at a reasonable speed is third or fourth gear. I don't want to go and do that. On the highway, I'd like to stick it in uh, sixth gear longer on cruise control and not have to downshift for hills or be in third gear to keep up with the traffic hanging on I-70 or pass on a two-lane highway. And so I'm really looking forward to the drivability. So if we do anything around 325, 330, it's way more than 100 uncorrected at the wheels. I'll be super happy with that. So I'd like, Gail, if you can jump in and explain why we installed the iDash. And yes, it's a little bit of plugola here, but I think it's it's super valid in this case because oftentimes, Holman, you know, you go out and you buy a, whether it's an intercooler, it's a supercharger, it's a turbo, uh, whatever, it's a tune for that matter, and you don't really know what it's done. So I wanted Gail to speak to uh, the iDash and what we expect it to show and prove or disprove. Mm Mm-hmm. First of all, I'm curious, what do those TVS numbers mean? 
I think it's the uh, it's the size of the rotor lobes that they're using, or, or overall. I don't know if it equates directly to their CFM that they can pump, um, but it's just uh, re- equates to the size of the blower itself. Yeah, I think it's cc's per revolution for okay. the blower. I mean, that would make sense. It's a blower displacement, if you will. And as you know, Gail, the the, the JL or any of the Jeep uh, engine hoods on Wranglers, yeah, there, there's not a lot of real estate. And so I think going with a smaller uh, blower uh, unit, head unit, makes sense from a couple standpoints. One is there's less heat created. So the minimal amount of um, of real estate you have in front of the radiator for the intercooler or the charge air cooler, mm-hmm. you don't need as big of one to cool down the charge. You don't have as much heat being generated. It's, to me, seems like a little bit safer than some of the bigger ones. It just changes where the heat is generated okay. versus flow. What was the small one? You're using a... Uh, 1320. Okay, that's 1.32 liters per rev of the blower. And these blowers spin. I mean, they spin some wicked high RPM. I'm just trying to... Well, I don't have it here, but it's common to have these things approaching 20,000 RPM. The bigger blower makes more volume flow, but the efficiency of, of... all of these, and I'm looking at their efficiency map online right now while we talk about these TVS blowers. The efficiency uh, island, if you will, the maximum efficiency point, moves with volume. In other words, as you go bigger, the, the efficiency goes to a higher flow in pounds Is that because of air you're per, approaching, or kilograms per you, minute. You're approaching the ultimate power output? Or or? The, the optimum design speed for okay. that size blower. Got it. So all you're, all you're doing is moving that to a different, what we call mass flow, uh, like compared at the same pressure ratio. The bottom line is these TVS blowers are extremely efficient. I'm, I'm real interested to see how efficient. So yours is matched 100 horsepower gain or 110 horsepower gain. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, on the same... What's the rated octane on the engine with no blower? 87. So you're going to go to 91. 91. So they, yeah. they recommend 91, nothing lower. Mm-hmm. Some of the other uh, forced induction companies do 93, which is really hard to find where we are. And you might as a lot well, more expensive. Yeah, you might as well tell the guy you, you're going to be on the detonation sensor yeah. all the time. Which you definitely don't want. Yeah. Octane rating is a measurement of the detonation resistance or the knock resistance of the fuel. The higher the number the higher the knock resistance. As you supercharge and intercool and all of that, under certain conditions, it's really hard to get the air down to ambient. You inhale ambient temperature air, and you want to keep it at that temperature all the way to the intake valves if you can. So with a blower, you are going to heat the air, but you've got to charge air cooler, and we're going to measure all this. It's going to be, you know, if we do another pod to talk about the blower results, that would be pretty wicked cool to me the reason we put the okay. i-dash okay done <laughs> that's it well, okay i'm out of here didn't I, have to sell you on that no no if, if I'm, you, I'm, I'm going in and out gail you're it. old no. double double animal style <laughs> no it what a burger is not better either is culver's oh. so all you haters out there shut up culver's is good what a burger is mediocre in and out all the way california pompousness don't care gotta have the grilled onions i have navy yeah. guys that come from damn neck or little creek virginia uh-huh. to la they get off the plane. They go straight to the nearest In-N-Out Burger. Of course they do, because they know what's up. Yeah. And they've always supported drag racing. A little inside story, when they 
back in the day when we had Irwindale Speedway uh, over here, where the brewery is now, there was a little uh, concession stand, a little food stand, and a guy named Harry Schneider ran that. And he is the founder yeah, of In-N-Out. Yeah. When they opened their first, I think they opened the first burger stand in Baldwin Park, he sponsored, started sponsoring some of their shirts with race cars on them yeah. are legendary because it ties California style and they're palm trees. Expensive, too, on the secondary market. Have you ever tried oh. to look for vintage In-N-Out shirts oh, on eBay and stuff? It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. They're that cool. It's hard to believe that hamburgers and hot rods could... Oh, and handguns. I was going to say. They all go together. (laughs) The other day, uh, if you follow my social, you know that I uh, frequent uh, hot rods and handguns. And I will tell you, uh, there have been many days where I uh, put a hot rod, a handgun, and a hamburger all in my mouth. Wait, I mean, I experienced it all the same time. That's what I meant. (laughs) I didn't hear that. (laughs) So uh, I want to stay on the uh, the supercharger tip for a second. Oh, we were on the iDash. Yeah, we were talking iDash. So I wanted... Holman, you were explaining, like, you joking that you wanted an iDash forever, but this is the reason that it actually makes sense to put in your Jeep now, because, again, Gail, let's let's talk about what he, we can expect, the numbers that we're going to be looking at pre and post uh, installation. What I want to compare is the manif- intake manifold air density stock with the intake mar- manifold air density blown. That should directly tie to the horsepower difference. As you open the throttle on your stock engine, it lets the air density, ambient air density, into the intake manifold. The reason the throttle's there is to lower the air density in your intake manifold so the damn engine will idle. Otherwise, if the throttle was wide open... It's like a boat. It'll just... Well, that, my, my wife used to drive that way. <laughs> it, it's either idling or it's wide open. No I, I told her, look, I'll, I'll remove the throttle and just put in a, 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 light a toggle switch, a light switch. switch, a light switch. <laughs> just turn it on, turn That's it like, off. It's like uh, the Autopia cars at Disneyland. It's either, either all on the gas or you're not, right? Well, exactly. When I started dating her, she had a 69 Volkswagen, 68 Volkswagen, 40 horsepower or so, You'd go to the wood, I mean metal, whatever, to get any kind of movement out of that car. (laughs) Jesus. But man, it was good in the snow cutting Christmas trees and watching guys with Jeeps get stuck while we drove in and out with the narrow white walls on the uh, Volkswagen. And I'm not kidding you, Jeep boy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't worry, I just put a four little car over Volkswagon. This actually occurred. So we didn't... Pulled the Jeep guy out, but he was stuck. We drove around him. <laughs> I'm not making it up. I'm Don't sure. Don't look at me like that. So A likely story. What we're measuring with the iDash is stuff you've never measured before because you didn't have the instrument to, to, to do it. We call that calculated values. In other words, anybody can measure pressure, temperature, humidity, Engine speed, all these things. Boost. Oil Everyone pressure. Everyone cares about boost. It's all about boost, well, it's right? It's, it's, well, it's, it's, it's if just, it's all about boost, you need an education because it's not all about boost. Just like uh, manufacturers selling truck guys on horsepower and marketing all these years. So everybody thinks I care about the horsepower number, but you, you probably care about, care about the torque, torque number. Yeah. You take care about the torque curve. The bottom line here is we can measure what's essential, what actually makes the horsepower. And it's really simple. You mix pounds of air with pounds of fuel. The engine pumps cubic feet per minute, CFM. We can read on the gauge the CFM as your RPM goes up, that the, the cylinders are pumping. 
I'm not talking about how much you're pulling out of the atmosphere, because you can change that with a blower, a turbo, anything. The reality is you're pulling air density, which is, we. I like to talk pounds per cubic foot, uh, or more importantly, pounds per thousand cubic feet. That's how we read it. And on a standard day, that's around 72 pounds of air per thousand cubic feet. When you close the throttle, you lower, lower the air density, and consequently, the pounds of air per cubic foot at idle speed going into that intake manifold and into the cylinders. That allows you to pull the fuel back, maintain a proper air-fuel ratio, and idle the engine. When you accelerate, you open the throttle, and if you're going for all it's got, if you're going balls out, you just kind of put it on the metal, and the only thing inhibiting that ambient air density getting into the intake manifold is losses through the air intake system, etc. Today, we prove that removing restrictions in an air intake system changes the horsepower. You put that pre-filter on, took it off, it changed the power three or four horsepower. Sure. Just a pre-filter. Yeah. Explain so, what that pre-filter is, uh, Holman. So this is actually, uh, there's one that has a higher flow, same size, than the one I have, which I'll, I'll explain I'll, what, what it is and what it is. Well, tell them about your fording setup. Uh, the pre-filter sits on top of this pipe. Yeah, so basically you have a snorkel, and the pre-filter is made by, the, uh, by a company called Cyclone, and uh, it is designed for agricultural and military applications. And they're now in the consumer market where they are um, basically... I, I can't get over... Uh, Gil's over here just sucking the, uh, the, his latte dry or whatever. <laughs> uh, My kid was doing that with 7-Eleven Cup the other night just... During a movie. And hey, like, we're doing a podcast. I Nobody know, cares. He's cracking me up. He's just, uh, I'm, he was so tuned out of your discussion. No, I... <laughs> No, that's not true. I was okay. just ignoring him. <laughs> well, you guys enjoy your podcast. So I'm just going to sit right, right here. I'm How does sorry. it feel to be ganged up on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ooh, you the, you love talk. That. Oh, my yeah. God. He's just jealous. It's okay. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it's hard to be lightning. So can It I, is hard to be me. It sucks. I, I will finish yeah. telling you. The difference be, between any gauge you can buy and the iDash is... The iDash will read any gauge reading you've ever heard of in your life. And then it, uh, yeah, honestly, and then a lot. I mean, there's a few hundred readings. Then it has calculated values. Those are banks' data displays. The one that's most important to anybody wanting to make horsepower is how many pounds of air per cubic foot or 1,000 cubic feet going into that engine, into the cylinders. That determines, by virtue of the air-fuel ratio, how much power you can make because that air density determines the pounds of fuel per minute you can put into that engine. You've you got a very narrow band with a gasoline engine. 14.7 to 1 is kind of the leanest thing. You can go lean burn and go leaner than that, and full power in today's engines might be 13 or 12.8 to 1. So you have a very narrow range. If you're too rich, the engine gets really inefficient. If you're too lean, the detonation uh, occurs more easily. Which is is super bad. And one thing we need to do is put our our new air fuel measuring capability on that truck when it comes back. 
So we'll know the air-fuel ratio, and we can have a conversation about that, too. In other words, the O2 sensor. Yeah, we've got one coming. Yeah. It'll plug right into the iDash. And we can plug one right in as well. Okay. I'd also like to measure the back pressure on the uh, right at the exhaust manifold outlet. If it's undue, Holman doesn't know this, but if it's too high, I'm building you an exhaust system. All right? Because why do the supercharger just to cork it up on the other end? Well, I've been corked it, up many times. And <laughs> I always, always feel not, not, You should see what he you eats. You know what? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> what he eats. Well, there's a lot of Wiener Schnitzel and uh, uh, Del Taco. Find well, out where uh, he eats. The, 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 the Wiener Schnitzel is to grease the slides. The chili is <laughs> good for that. Hey, so, going back to the, uh, the pre filter. So, it's a company named Cyclone, and you've seen them on any military vehicle Humvees, JLTVs. Uh, or they're, uh, I believe they're OE on John Deere and Cat and some of the agricultural now, you, implements. You, it looks con- like a mushroom top, basically. You've confirmed that Cyclone is the one used on a JLTV. Yes. Then way over 10,000 banks, Duramax, yep. breathe military, through that. breathe through one yeah. of those. Yep. And yeah. uh, they uh, basically, the guy who invented it, it's a pretty interesting story, he basically has a centrifugal, like, uh, it's like a propeller, I guess. And so as the engine sucks in power, this propeller spins, and it's a mushroom it's tip, centri- if you it will. It centrifuges out the dirt. Yeah, then it's got yeah. vertical slats that are cut in it where the dirt mm-hmm. can be ejected. So it gets in a dusty environment. I don't know if you saw the inside of the airbox, but that was after 3,000 miles of uh, off-roading. Awesome. And I was the tail gunner on a 40-vehicle trip for Overland Adventure 20, Back oh, just eating it back just there. Just eating it back there, and you saw how clean the uh, the intake track was. So they, they really do work, and I'll take the four-horsepower, three-horsepower hit uh, in in order to have that kind of cleanliness before it gets to the main filter. And uh, they do have one that has the same size, but it's a higher C, uh, CFM, so I'll see if I can get one of those before we do the blower test so we can test uh, the difference. If you were in the service and, and you did a 100-mile march and you were tailing Charlie... Holy God, you just did that. <laughs> yeah. The equivalent of that. Yeah. The guy in front is the only He's guy not it. eating dust. Oh, yeah. yeah. Four, four, we had 40 vehicles and uh, 72 people. And I was tail gunner, keeping everybody, you know, yeah. tied in the back. And I was du- dust for days. And so I. So you really, really tested that Cyclone pre filter. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as Holman's talking about getting a, uh, a supercharger, adding it to his JL, if we're, if we're talking about superchargers, we're doing something unusual here that ties back into the Truck Show podcast, which is Lockjaw. We're putting a supercharger on a Banks crate engine, which is based on the Duramax 6.6 liter uh, diesel engine. And that's an interesting one. It's also supercharged, and we should probably touch on that project because our listeners have been following along. And as they as they cheer for us to uh, uh, complete this project, they also uh, uh, they want to reach through the speakers and punch me in the face for not completing your truck. But uh, I want to punch you in the face right now because Gail's tired of seeing it in his shop. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Holman. You need to come up here and work on the damn truck. Well, I can't do where, what we're at. The po- I've worked on it as far as I can, and 
somebody decided that he was going to park in the corner and let it create a habitat for spiders. Did he face the headlights towards the corner? No, it's in it's, shame. It's, it's just in shame sitting there, jacked up on stuff so it doesn't look like uh, the tires are flat when a Diesel Brothers uh, episode comes rolling through. That 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 is all true. I mean, the point though that we're at now is is design work as you've seen. We have went back to CAD in SolidWorks. We're designing uh, the assembly. I mean, you, the, you say that. No, I've, I've, I've heard you. And then I, I saw the first time I've seen it in over a year. And other than the dots for the 3D scanner, it's exactly the same. Actually, it's worse. There's less parts on the front now. And I'm scared. Uh, well, we had to take some stuff off to, okay. to get some scans. But it, it's slow going. I, I, I mean, loved it, when I came here today and you've been saying, you got to come by the shop. You got to come by. Come see your truck. Let me show you. And it was really great, Gail, because uh, before you I, and I... I thought I, I told you to hide that thing. Yeah, before <laughs> before really you and I you know, uh, saw each other, uh, Jake took me by rocks. the hand and he took me to where all those parts are being made. And he said, let me show you everything that I've been doing. Oh, wait, no, that didn't happen. That didn't oh, happen. No, no, no. We had lunch. Uh, the, the, so yeah. it, it, there's, I have excuse after excuse, but what happened is is that Eric, who's who's assisting on this project now, uh, was tapped about three and a half, four weeks ago to complete the new AVL dyno that we've got. Which is super and, important. And super important. Totally to, understand. To the future of the company. And he is making uh, structures, uh, physical systems that will all, go into that dyno cell. I know we joke about it on the podcast, but not once have I bothered Gail and said, what, what are we doing? True. I've, I've that's left, true. I've, been, I've, yeah. You take it out all, yeah. all on me. Right. 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 Because that's fun. And it also makes people hate you. Well, he deserves it. And he deserves what it. What are you talking I mean, about? But see, the, Gail, the problem isn't that we... You deserve we, it. I was enjoying ganging okay. up on Holman. Now it's back on me The again. problem no, no, no. is you, not... You love the attention. Yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> yeah. The problem is not that the, the truck hasn't progressed, because obviously we want to get it to SEMA. The problem is that he went out and got his own project and then decided to crap all over mine by doing this other thing and not having any of the commitments that we ever talked about done. And now he's like, oh, screw that. I'm building this one. That's that's where the dollar truck fell into my lap. You were there when it happened. I okay? bought the truck for him, Gail. I gave him the dollar, and he, he used it against me. He slapped, <laughs> he slapped it out there. But what I started, gave him the dollar. I bought him the truck. He had no credibility on the Truck Show podcast. He, he sold his dually, drove a mini, was it had went out and bought an, a new vehicle, a Mercedes yeah. AMG, right? Let me give myself more credibility by getting a Mercedes Roadster. That'll, you know, and I have an opportunity to put something in my driveway. So he does that. So I'm like, I have to save the show because now nobody believes save anything that show. he says. So it was worth it for me to grab the dollar to pay for the truck so that he would once again have credibility. And basically, he turned on me. He talks like he's a politician. He does. He really does. He's a good yeah. politician. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm, it's it's, it's disappointing. A, he's all, a statesman. You disappoint me. All at the he's, same time. He's a statesman. And, he is. and since he got his beard trimmed, he's dignified looking. <laughs> if I only had my uh, Abraham Lincoln hat. Would be oh, good. perfect. And a, mon- Actually, and a monocle. That would be disturbing. But you've got to have a mole. Um, just burn me with something in the shop. I'll just weld it out. Yeah, yeah, soldering gun. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, look, look. For the record, I wasn't out looking for another project, and when we bought the truck on the on the podcast, Mm -hmm. and I I brought it here, it was at that same time. Hold Mm -hmm. on, what? Don't jump in. At the same Uh time that Gail and I and some others here were talking about really making the crate engine program a thing, like really giving it a date, say doing our best to launch it at SEMA of 2021. And it, and I said, well, we've got this truck that literally is just going to sit and collect. This truck that Holman bought. Yeah. For you. Yeah. Well, yes. 
Yeah, we've said that before, right? And it and it wasn't. Hey, I'm going to fix this up and drive. You got it. a dollar on you? Are you going to buy it from? Yes, me? Uh, oh. I'm going to reimburse <laughs> it. Right. Gail, yeah. Gail, your your money's no good here. By the way, there is interest <laughs> with that dollar, and but the interest is just. I, here's what I'd like. I would like to turn the key so I can drive it down to Alden so they can do the suspension. That's it. Oh. So Alden said, as soon as you guys are done, they're going to do all the suspension Alden on American. It. Yep. So yeah. Garrett, Garrett called me last week, and he said, hey, if when you're ready, I'm ready. I said, I just need to get the truck so it turns on. And then after that, we can get it on to the next places it needs to go. And then it's out of your hair. And then you, I, listen, I understand and that. And it's gone, and you don't have to worry about it except for when something goes Breaks. wrong. Yeah. The goal is to get, I, I told you on the on two episodes ago that we are going to try to we are trying to we get it ready. We have to get it ready for SEMA. Yes, that's the plan. And and to Gail's point, the last time I came I installed the fuel tank and I was I'm at the point where now it's the stuff that's being done is the intake which is badass by the way to, you know, billet boxes and you know feeding the, the twin turbos on it. It's going to be insane. The front accessory cold drive, ram cold ram yeah. air on it. The front yeah. the front accessory drive and the cooling stack, right? And then wiring it so that it runs. After that, it's out of your hair. Well, you make the whole quote unquote wiring it just sound like it's going to take a day. Like that's a big endeavor. I didn't say it was going to take a day, but I chassis wired everything. It's getting the engine wired and running. I understand. That's all. Okay, well, we're we're so we're, we're trying. let's talk about uh, <laughs> uh, Logjaw. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'm just going to sit over here and look at uh, JL stock dyno numbers. See how Have our you number... found anything? I found a few. Yeah, good, good. Yeah. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm suspect of some of them. Um, Maybe we can just average all of them. Uh, that's what I'm. Yeah. Uh, well, and then you don't know the ones that guys are posting. You don't know if they're corrected or uncorrected. Just as a little aside, Jay, hold the thought on Lockjaw. Yep. You talked about dinos. And my, how mine might be different than somebody else's. Mine is probably different than most of them because it's freaking accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how do I know this? Well, we calibrate it. But more importantly, when they came out with a 6.7 Ford uh, diesel, they came out with a lower number and had a high number in, in, in their back pocket. They waited for GM to to come up with their number because they were both com- coming with new versions of their engines. And GM came out with a higher number. Then the Ford guys came out with a reflash. If you were already owned the truck, you could take it back and reflash it. And now your number beat the GM number. Kind of clever on, uh, for the Ford guys. So... There was this online fella doing Ford, uh, or doing truck, some, some sort of truck podcaster or whatever at the time. I, We're not aware of any other truck Levine, podcast. Levine, this is the only one. His name was Levine or something no, like that. No, he was that. doing pickuptrucks.com, and now he runs uh, the Ford uh, PR team. So pick Ford up, trucks. Pickuptrucks.com. He brought us a truck. We put it on the dyno, the chassis dyno, the same one you're running on. We ran a full curve. Torque, horsepower, the whole thing. He took it to the dealer, got it reflashed, brought it back. We did the full curve again. He submitted the numbers to Ford, and the Ford guy said, Banks has got a, his dyno numbers agree with ours. And I went, Great. That's a wonderful validation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We've done it with our engine dynos too, with Cummins Engine Company, back when we ran the Dakota Bonneville effort. With the Cummins diesel, so we were at 400 horsepower. 
we were within a couple of horsepower of Cummins. So that is a good validation there. If you calibrate, if you know what the hell you're doing, and you have the right equipment and it's calibrated, and you do the right procedures, you get the honest numbers, the true numbers. Guys can jazz the numbers with the correction factor. I generally don't use the correction factor. But if you change the correction factor, you're going to get inflated numbers. Unfortunately, a lot of performance tuning guys to do exactly that. There's, there's five different correction factors commonly used in the world. There's two or three used in the United States. There's one that was made for small engines back in the day. It's called SAE J607. That number will really inflate the actual number. What you observe on my chassis dyno with no correction is what it, you get. You go out and drive it. That's all the horsepower you're going to get. That's observed horsepower and observed torque. That's all you're going to get. If you jack it up with an inf uh, inflated correction factor, that's bullshit. You're not going to get that unless you go down to Long Beach and wait for a real cold day. Then you might, but they're damn rare days, and you're usually not at sea level. We're not at sea level, so and it gets hot here. Hot hurts air density. Altitude hurts air density because it drops the pressure. And humidity hurts air density. All of those cut horsepower. So low pressure, high altitude. I mean, you go to the top of Pikes Peak, we race to 14,100 feet. And we're going to go again with our uh, GMC road race truck, which is a diesel, and it's bloody fast. And we've got the transmission. We solved the transmission problem. So, because we were dissolving transmissions. We're going to Pikes Peak in 2022. I've got a tentative approval from Paul Dollenbach. You out there, Paul? <laughs> Anybody know Paul? Encourage him, because we're going to set the diesel record real low. This is a pure race truck. What does our friend uh, Scott Birdsall think about that? Scott does not know. Scott is hearing this podcast right now and hearing it for Ooh. the first time. Uh, a guy with a Volkswagen ran a time real close to that Cummins. Nobody's talking about that except the guy with the Volkswagen who's encouraging me. He said, I used to hold that record. He beat me by a few seconds. Go, Gail, go. <laughs> so we're going to go. But Scott, go in 21 and put it in the weeds. Put it down way the hell down. Put it in the nines. Give me something to shoot for. This will be good. I know it... Scott spent years working that thing out. Oh, yeah. Blowing engines, all kinds of stuff like Borrowing that. Borrowing engines after he blew them. Yeah. Yeah, he went off engineer's corner one year, yeah. scared the hell out of himself. Yeah. Yeah. Scott knows about the mountain. The mountain is freaking treacherous. Yeah. When we ran the, the semi, Size Matters 2, it rained. And we damn near broke the record in the rain within seconds of breaking the record. So, and that's, that's for semis. But the overall diesel record is Scott's. What will make it interesting is we get to duke it out now. What, uh, what engine is in the uh, – is it a L5P or is it a LMM or – It'll be an L5P. Yeah. Now, now, how it's supercharged or turbocharged or what we're going to do, that, that'll be all part of the program. Sure. It'll be a, one of my crate motors. The thing we run up there will be commonly available. And if we 
put it down in, you know, way down in the weeds, get a quick run, we're going to have to have a clean mountain. And that means no rain, no ice, no snow, no fog, yeah. and no crud on the road. So it can rain and put decomposed granite across the road. And it's not raining, but you're driving through all that stuff, and it's not good for traction. No, it's so, not. So, you know. And, and that, that road is all about traction. Because every well, little slip around the corner, any, every little bit you have to slow down here or lift here, I mean, it all adds up because it's such a, I mean, how many turns is it? Some a ridiculous amount. One, I think it's 152. Yeah. Yeah. And when you get into W's, you're doing one, 180 bends. I mean, they're hairpins, you know, and there's a lot of W's. So, you know, I, to me, that's a legendary place and it'll bite your ass and you only get one run it, each year. And if anything conspires against you, you're screwed. You got you got to wait a year. Bonneville, you you've got days. You got a week. You speed week. Uh, and then there's other events. Pikes Peak and Indy are very close to the same age. They're the two oldest racing events in the United States. Indy 500 and Pikes Peak. But uh, boy, some legendary some legendary guys have been on the mountain uh, running with uh, Dallenbach Racing. We were the engine, uh, the turbocharging system guys. Uh, he ran naturally aspirated and did very well, but after we turboed it, he could carry a, lo- a lot more speed. He couldn't carry all the speed that we gave him seri- seriously because um, we videoed it, and he and I would look at the computer screen, and he'd talk me up the mountain, mountain off the videos. Well, here I could carry a lot more speed. But, but I had to get out of it but because, you know, you wouldn't think brakes would be a problem going uphill. If you've got enough horsepower, brakes are a problem going uphill. Sure. Two years in a row, we qualified top qualifier. Open wheel car, you know, a spec-built Pikes Peak open wheel mid-engine car. First year up there, we – by the way, the wings on these cars, if you think outlaw sprint cars with wings – or something you haven't seen Pikes Peak open class. Oh, they're awesome! Oh my they're god, they're all wing. I mean, they just glue down. They're so cool. So, you got a lot of bite uh, as your speed goes up, but coming off the starting line, I mean, I think that he practices at about nine tenths and races at one point one or one point two tenths. You know, eleven tenths or twelve tenths, I should say. Because uh, Jay does not like when you use the term eleven or twelve. Well it's just I, I I think I'm finally getting used to it now. I've uh it went when, when the whole tense thing was weird to me. I'm like, you're racing it, it full throttle or not? Or we had a whole discussion this, on the This podcast. has to do with with you don't race at full throttle if you're saving the equipment. Like the N D five hundred or a two hundred mile offshore boat race. You, you you tend to conserve the equipment. You have to be running at the end to win. No, no, so no. I mean, the there's, tr- the, the, there are tents, and a guy will run run eight tents if he's conserving the equipment. Yeah, but I, I the terminology that yeah. I that I, I was, always say, you know, eleven tenths or something. That's the guy pushing through. He's right? Right? yeah. He, and, and lightning's like, well, you can't say that. That's not mathematically correct. And then, and then I had to punch him in the throat. And, but and then but it, sounds, it sounds cool. <laughs> it does sound cool. It, the it, hell with math. we actually had correct. a bunch of listeners who emailed and said, yeah, that's cool. I would totally use that terminology. Yeah. So. yeah. I'm numb to it now. So Keep Paul, going. Paul comes off the line, balls out. And 
rings off one of the half shafts. I mean, that's awkward you know? when you are in a race suit and you're pulling out genitalia. I think no, no, that, no, 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 no. That's not what he meant. Flyweight governor. Flyweight oh, governor's oh, going to pull oh, this out. Oh, was that, yeah, yeah. Was that 12 tenths <laughs> yes, of the way out? <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to be an old guy like me or Jay Leno to, to know about. Actually, Jay has a lot of steam engines with flyweight governors. I have been and in one of his steam cars, a Stanley Steamer R. I've gotten I, a I ride in I him. don't know that it has a governor like I'm talking about, but I doubt it. Uh, but nonetheless... Balls out. It's a centrifugal governor for the engine. And so that's where that came from. <laughs> huh. I thought that came from some college are, activities. <laughs> well, it's commonly used today to indicate something else, which I think is way more cool than <laughs> a flyweight governor. Yeah. So where were we? We're, we're talking about Pikes Peak and uh, going okay. up against Scott. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to take that road race truck up there. That uh, the whole. Uh, crate engine program that we're doing doing is based on the L5P because I've been over a thousand horsepower with a stock L5P. I think at, at around uh, it's called Killing a Dura, Duramax. Yeah, your, your video series. Yeah, there's a video series on YouTube and Facebook called Killing a Duramax. We got to 1,017. Then I had to pull it off because we're putting in this new AVL Dino cell. It will be back, guys. I'm going to kill that Duramax. I don't know what what horsepower. All we changed was the camshaft. Any the, the only internal part we changed in that engine, about 800 horsepower, we changed the camshaft. And it's very mild cam. We use stock valve springs, kind of, kind of limited us. We are now doing a more serious cam and a valve spring change. But I want to stay with everything stock on that Duramax. The L5P is freaking bulletproof. We didn't blow a head gasket. There's no head studs, no trick head gaskets. None of this jive. It's got a stock oil pan in it with a stock oil. Nothing. So we will get to the point when it kills itself. But we've got hundreds of hours on this engine way above the standard 445 horse. Are you going to just come into a work one day on an idle Saturday? And it'll be running like some horrible test on the dyno, and you're just going to be yelling at it from behind. You just die already! <laughs> yeah, for it's Christ! Just, you're going to go to the shop and start throwing things through the door. Yeah, at it. yeah, that's. <laughs> it may happen. Take this! So, I'm not going to intentionally kill it. Oh, that's no fun. You know. Well, that but that that's the thing that we have to talk or about. Or stupidly for a kill it. Well, oh, there we go. Yeah. So that, that's how it started originally. Is online when when the Duramax uh, in the pickup truck, uh, the L5P came out, and it, it took a few years for the guys to figure out how to 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 tune it, quote unquote, flash tune it, right? And then they started deleting the emissions equipment and and and, and saying that it could go to X horsepower. And they were coming up with these wild numbers. And Gail started saying publicly, no, the engine with the stock turbo, with the stock equipment, is good for uh, 550 horsepower before the turbo has issues, right? It was correct. And, and, and then the guys were saying, no, you're, 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 you're full of Right. That's no. I I have a tune on my truck from this tuner, and I'm I'm doing 650 horsepower, and and we would rebut that and say no. Your your turbo is on its way out, and they would, and that's how this. We said oh, we'll just show you. The video started this series, and Gail literally went through every time we changed something, every parameter got measured, and then at the end of the video, Gail goes through all of the numbers. And for the guys who it's a good education, guys. Killing a Duramax is a great series. I learned a lot. 
honest to God. That's why I love this business. I never stop learning. It's the fountain of frickin' youth. So, so this is a, a good you. segue into a question I have for you, because I've, t- I've talked to Lightning. We talked about it on the show a little bit, but I kind of want your, your take on it. As vehicles are getting more complicated, and as manufacturers are introducing lockdown ECUs and the ability to essentially ignore power adders mm-hmm. and basically say, no, th- this engine, for us to warranty it or be optimal to our standards... Mm-hmm has to run within this range. And what I'm talking about is before you could slap on a, an intake and an exhaust and the engine would do, you know, uh, seven to eight per seven to maybe 10% more power. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty reliable today. You may see that on the first time, but then after that, the engine actually pulls back and it, almost as if it ignores on some of these newer vehicles where it doesn't have an exhaust and a intake. And there's little tricks that you have to use to get it to recognize that it has this more efficient intake and in, in exhaust path. What does that mean for the future of bolt-on parts for getting more power and, and fuel economy? If you can figure out the th- pain points, what did the OEs do uh, to save the engine and the powertrain? And by the way, is that is that a fair assessment that they're basically building in the ability for the ECU to adjust things to keep it back in the parameters they want. We've been doing it for years. We call it active safety. Mm-hmm. All of our tuners, from the current Derringers all the way back to the six guns and the Economines and all the stuff we've done through the decades for diesel, we safe the calibration that we we change. We're we're looking at oil pressure. We're looking at water temperature. We're looking at all the. Uh, uh, exhaust gas temperature, the, all of the things, it, if they get, get out of hand, they're going to harm the engine. My thing is the Hippocratic Oath. Do no harm. Do no harm. When these guys say, hey, I've got 650 horsepower with a jailbreak, you know, I've, we've cracked the computer instantly, your warranty's gone, and we're out at 650 horsepower, there's a thing I always preface for how long. Because if I make 600 or 650 horsepower, it has to be for hours and hours. We do, we do a 400-hour NATO test. 85% of the 400 hours on an engine dyno are at 80 85% of those hours are at peak torque or peak horsepower. Constant. These guys do dyno sweeps that last three to five seconds. Right. There's, there's pretend horsepower. Kitty land horsepower, that's what I call <laughs> these jackasses. Yeah. It's jackassery. They put the turbocharger and the engine on kill, and they get 650. But run it for three or four minutes that way. Towing a trailer up a hill on a 100-degree day. It ain't happening. Right. The turbo is over speed, over temperature. You're going to frag the turbo if you leave a loud pedal on the wood. That's it. And I get that, but what about those guys that just want to intake and exhaust but now aren't seeing the the, the changes because the computer says, nope, we're going to ignore that that's actually, there. Actually, there is adjustment. A lot of our uh, diesel stuff, if you change the air intake density, in other words, with a stock air intake, you're losing pressure and you're heating the air before it gets to the turbocharger, uh, like on a diesel. We found 18, 19 horsepower by changing the air density. 
and it, it it doesn't take it away from you. It does it every time you go to the pedal. And mo- most recently, and I'm working on a patent on this, I've come up with a negative pressure exhaust system. It's five inch, but I actually pull a partial vacuum in that five inch pipe through some design things I'm doing. I'm not going to get into what they are, uh, but they're in there. And we're also cooling the exhaust in the process as well. So that exhaust system is worth 15 to 20 horsepower, and it repeats. So if you don't create other issues, we've had aftermarket systems because we buy, if it's an air intake, we buy everybody's and we test them. We've had air intake systems that actually heat the air more than stock. And as a result, the air density goes down. They actually lose horsepower. We, we have to be the top of the heap. We design to that point every time. If we don't win, we don't sell it. Honest to God. Gail, I, have, do, haven't I, just, you... I just make the guys go back. And, and I'll go out there and, and I'll make suggestions, help them nuance the design so they beat everybody. That's how you win a race. You know, that's how you set a record. If you're in a class of vehicle shapes or designs all the way up to streamliners, and we've run streamliners at Bonneville, the guy who gets the highest air density into the intake manifold sets the highest speed and wins the event, so to speak, or sets the international record. We're racers that built street stuff. We built racing engines before we ever built any street stuff. From 58 to 74, it was all racing stuff, boats and cars. Then we started, because of the fuel crunch, we really got into trucks. And then came the diesel thing. And GM gave me some of the 6.2 engines to, to try as marine engines. That was in 1978. 6.2 diesel came out in 82 in their pickups. And ultimately... I worked a deal with John Rock, who was managing GMC at the, in the mid-'80s. They weren't selling that diesel too well after Ford came out with a 7.3. Mm-hmm. And he calls me up, and he says, can you meet me at the uh, Anaheim truck show? So I met him down there. We had breakfast. He says, I got a problem. Our diesel engine is not selling very well. We don't have the new one yet, the 6.5. It's behind schedule. And... I know you've sold some turbocharging to the guys developing that engine over in Romulus. I know you're turbocharging thousands of our trucks Mm -hmm. since 1982, and we don't fuel you in our warranty. You're not killing our engines. And I went, thank you. Yeah, it's a great compliment. And and he said, why don't we do something together where you turbocharge the engines and we sell them on the dealer floor? We can't do it in the plant and react real quickly. But if you set up a plant nearby Flint, Michigan, where we're building the Suburbans and the pickups with a diesel, and you turbo them and you send them back to us and we ship them to the dealers, we'll call it a ship-through, a dealer-specified option. That program was on the ground and selling one year. We had the first turbo diesel pickups on the market, period, by a year. We beat out the Dodge Cummins by a year. So the first turbo diesel pickups said Bank Sidewinder under the hood on the equipment. All right, all right be, uh, before we move on, uh, you said uh, you, you said TV. 
you actually were on a uh, on a TV show. <laughs> wait, wait, TV shows. TV shows. Yeah, Coach and Chips. Mm-hmm. You were Chips? I knew about Coach. I didn't know about Chips. Yeah. What were you on Chips? Uh, auto shop guy. <laughs> you know what's funny about Chips? <laughs> yeah. about, now you watch it. So for, for those of you who didn't grow up in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, watching uh, Chips in the early 80s, Chips was uh, basically California Highway Patrol, um, uh, uh, TV show Ponch and John. You probably know about that. Um, and they never pulled their guns. No, it was no, California no, Highway. Everyone Patrol. had a favorite, Ponch or John, right? And uh, um, you know, it was uh, endorsed, I guess, or uh, you know, blessed by the California Highway Patrol. But it was when the Southern California Freeway System was just being opened up, yes. so they were able to use these wide open freeways that were just about to be open for all these shoots. And they actually destroyed thousands and thousands of cars, which is amazing. And the things that they destroyed were amazing. You go back and watch them now, and there's like, you know, 400 cubic inch firebirds, like going off of a like ramp truck, flipping through the air and crashing and doing a barrel roll. And you're going, damn you, chips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's collectible, that car. I know. There's so much great vintage iron on there. I, I don't know if I like John's... Uh, uh, K10 pickup truck or his Mini, because he was the original. It wasn't you, Lightning. It was uh, I it don't was, recall. The John mini. Baker had a Mini. Yeah, really. Is yeah. John Baker still with us? I believe he is. Yeah, Larry. Uh, uh, what's Larry's last name? Larry Schneider. No, no, no. Wrong show. Oh, that's uh, that's Dukes of Hazard. Uh, Larry Wilcox. Oh yeah. yeah, good guy, good guy. So I'm on the set. We, we have one of my twin turbo engines in the back of my truck. The engine gets stolen on the show. Uh, this football player, I'm trying to think of his name. Um, O.J. Simpson. Huh? Oh, no, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No. That would have been awesome. Too early for O.J. Anyhow, yeah. uh, a guy who's a fo- football player, big guy, very famous. Uh, he was the head auto shop instructor. And they were looking for a forklift to unload the engine. And he comes over and he, he looks at me and he says, I, I think the two of us can lift that thing out of the truck. And I looked at him and I said, well, I'll take about 50 pounds. It's like, you can have the rest. We, we got it out of the truck. Small blocks are not that heavy anyway. Twin turbos adds a little. But we got it on the floor and over to, over to the set. Eric Estrada. I got to give you an Eric Estrada. I was born in Hollywood Presbyterian Hospital in 1942. Do you think I know Hollywood? <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, uh, until recently, uh, I met with people uh, for dinner every Thursday night at uh, Musso and Frank's on, on Hollywood Boulevard, the oldest surviving Hollywood dining spot reminds me of uh, when you and i used to meet uh, every tuesday for breakfast before covid and one day i'll finally look back on oh, that oh, if oh we, yeah if oh, you yeah. ever go and do you it you gotta again. make an institution out of this stuff <laughs> the head writer for jeopardy w- was one of, of the guys billy weiss uh and of course you know, you know we lost the host of jeopardy recently sure. what a guy he was so but that's off subject Gail, everything we do we've is off done, subject. We've done, a, I've had a, the pleasure of working with those guys all my life. They've crashed my boats. They've, you know, we've done Pikes Peak. The driver and, and owner of that truck that we ran at Pikes Peak 
with that 2,800 horsepower Detroit Diesel 60 that we did. Mike Ryan, he's a stunt man like you cannot believe. I mean, if you've seen Fast and Furious, you, you've seen Mike's work, all of them. We did turbocharging in boats starting in the 70s. You know, we were making over 1,000 horsepower. Mid-70s, we were up to 1,800 horsepower uh, in a boat. And then we put one of those boat motors uh, in a Corvette and went to Bonneville and in a 68 Corvette where the record was 201, we ran 240. Then it was a Firebird, and we ran 260. And then we ran uh, 283 miles an hour the next year, all derived from these boat motors that we put into cars. All of the, this got the attention of Hollywood, so we got deluged, both boats and cars, to do stuff with them. It's a new take on Boat Anchor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you, you mentioned Ponch for, for a moment. Oh, let me tell you the Ponch story. Because, yeah, Ponch, yeah, yeah, Ponch in a limo. So it's around 10 o'clock, and it's... Uh, a.m. or p.m.? A.m. Okay. And uh, this Rolls-Royce pulls up. And Eric Estrada gets out wearing a white fur coat. <laughs> and it's a warm day. And the whitest teeth you've ever seen. He's a handsome dude. You know, he... Lots he, of, he was the lady killer, right? Yeah, lots of... Probably still is. But I kind of went, man, is he rocking it. But oh, my God. He's sitting in the back. He ain't driving that Rolls. You know? I think he had one seat in the middle in the back. Kind of a throne, you know, that type of thing. I'm making that up, by the way. <laughs> I mean, it, but it sounds just so arrogant and douchey, like so 80s, right? Just so like, I don't know. Uh, you can't pull that off today, the white mink coat. I mean, unless I mean, you, in comedy. Uh, or unless you want to be canceled. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the quickest way to canceling this show is for us to show up anywhere in a white mink coat. <laughs> oh, well, that and our listeners will give up on us, so. And then how did you end up on coach what's that story another tv show for those of you who are younger than <laughs> me <laughs> i'm trying to think of the guy who starred in coach craig t nelson quite a guy uh pretty good racer we had the fish canyon gun club over here for years and strother martin uh shot over there if you remember butch cassidy and the sun sundance kid he's a little guy who talks about go, going when the wagons go up the mountain to get the gold, you don't stop them then. You wait until they have the gold in them, and they're coming back down the mountain. And then he looks at the guys, and he goes, morons. I have morons on my team. <laughs> <laughs> That's Strother Martin. His son worked on coach. He, he was one of the crew. Okay. So that might have been – I'm trying to remember the connection, but – I shot with his, the old man, and he baked chocolate chip cookies and brought us all chocolate chip co cookies. And then they built a tract of homes in Fish Canyon, and they heard us shooting over there, and they complained. No more gun club. Horrible. You knew there was a – when you came on Saturday or Sunday to look, look at, the, at, at the model houses, you must have heard us. Oh, my God. So what did you play on coach? What was your, uh, your role? I was a sports reporter. So were you down on the field or something with the long skinny microphone? I was in the oh, I, I was in the locker room. 
<laughs> That's really wrong. Hey, speaking of uh, guns for a second, you told me a story the other day that I had never heard that I wanted you to share with Holman because he's a uh, uh, with your your membership over at the Hot Rods and Handguns. Uh-huh. Gail reveals to me that he was recently uh, shooting an Uzi, and it went – well, you tell the story. Well, no. It's not recent, but it's oh. – uh, a, a, a f- friend of mine, I will call him uh, Turbo Tommy, uh, <laughs> he built uh, his version of an Uzi. And this might be 25 years ago, 30 years ago. It's not yesterday. And, and if it was 9 millimeter. He says, you want to shoot this thing? I said, yeah, that'd be a kick. So we'd meet at the Beverly Hills Gun Club early in the morning before they opened. He knew the guys there. Anyhow, I got my opportunity to fire, and he says, it has a little rise, and it (laughs) pushes to the side a little bit. So be ready for it. So I light this thing up. You want to talk rise. I wish I had my hand on top of it, my left hand. This thing had so much rise, I shot out some of the lights and the Celotex <laughs> tile on the ceiling. I mean, there was fluorescent bulbs coming down. I now know that's toxic and full of mercury or something. But I said to him, I'm looking, I'm looking at the brass on the floor, and there's one with a dent in the side, and the round is still live. Oops. How the hell you could cycle that bolt and not fire one? <laughs> When I saw that, I said, man, I'm going to work. I'm out of here. You know, but I have a real, uh, you know, you look at a gun and you say, if you're not pointing, muzzle discipline is a big deal. Oh, yeah. I had finger. Yeah. I had no muzzle discipline with that (laughs) Uzi copy. None. Yeah. 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 Those are uh, what we call uh, uh, spray and pray. Yeah, but in this case, I was shooting angels. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, God. <laughs> it's, bad, it's bad when you uh, take an Uzi and uh, wait, as you're shooting it, you realize angels are falling from the sky. That's, that's just bad. Yes. It's bad. Yeah. 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 I can't imagine, though, the, the, the feeling at that moment where you're like, I can't make this stop. You know, just, you've been in the front yard when you can't shut the hose off and you're like, what am I going to do? Just stand here? You know, well, it's you just know. water in the hose. I can't imagine a gun going. Well, eventually well, it's going to run out of sure. ammo. So. But the, that, that instant lasts forever. I probably only put three or four in the ceiling, but you can't get out of it quick enough. Yeah. Thank God it stopped cycling. You know, (laughs) God, you always point the gun down. There's basic rules. Oh, yeah. Every gun is loaded. I love my wife. That's, that's rule number one. Every took, gun is loaded. Took her shooting. And I, rule number two, you point at the floor. Yep, downrange. With your finger off, off the, trigger. the trigger. I had to keep reminding her of her finger trick. She's like, oh, hold on, whoa, hold on. Yeah. Finger straight. Thank well, you. and for me, as I raise the firearm, then my finger goes into the loop. But it's never in the loop otherwise. And if, if you're going to shoot at somebody, be serious about it. Don't be frivolous about it. <laughs> why, are you, why are you both looking at me as if I you're going to shoot well, me? What's going on I mean, here? Well, if you're going to do that, <laughs> ish. If you're going to do that, your your life needs to be in jeopardy if you do that. Yeah. Oh. You know. Yeah. I I and so I got the rules down. I know. I, I, I'm a cops kid, so I, I spent a lot of time at the L.A. Police Department range when I was eight or nine or ten years. We old. have a uh, a listener who uh, works at the range for LAPD. Well, I'll be damned. Yep. In fact, uh, he uh, 
he'll uh, send us messages from time to time. So shout out to him. Yeah. Have you ever shot anything? Gail, so that, uh, so policemen used to pull maintenance at the, at the police academy. They guys uh, were uh, real good plumbers. You know, every, like firemen. A lot of cops have off shift jobs. They remodel houses. They do this, oh, yeah. all this stuff. They're side hustles. So, anyhow, I learned to swim there in that swimming pool. My dad, they had psychological training where the domestic disputes taking place, and my dad would be the husband. <laughs> and he had guys go off on them. They, they, they weren't psychologically qualified to be a L.A. <laughs> cop. Yeah. It's a tough job. He went on in 49 it's when they were cleaning up LAPD. After the Hat Squad. Well, now the Hat Squad was still there. L.A. Confidential is a movie to watch, guys. My old man was on the job in that time frame. Is it accurate, the film, Some, somewhat? Yeah. There's a lot of events in that film, uh, you know, the Hat Squad and that kind of stuff. But uh, a lot of that was unfortunately accurate. The Christmas beating that took place in Wilshire Division, the jail at Wilshire Division. Uh, a lot of Latino guys got thumped. That was not a good thing. That's in the movie. It actually happened. My old man was on the top floor. The guy, guys on the jail floor all got fired. The guys on the main floor of the station got fired. My dad was working on the top floor at the time. He wasn't aware of it going down, but they, they put him back to the city jail for a year. He was there five months, and then the captain brought him back because my old man is a light, was a rainmaker. He was a rainmaker. He he got things done, but LA LA Confidential is pretty damn authentic in a lot of ways. It's eerie because how could it be that bad? Today we still have we have to be real diligent. But I'm going to tell tell you. The chaos we'd have without policing oh, look at ben- is beyond Minnesota. comprehension. Yeah. yeah, we've had a few test cases, uh, but Does, there's doesn't a, look good. There's a thing I call failure to learn. You know, don't trust your lying eyes type of stuff. Anyhow, I'm not a political guy. I'm not going to get into politics. But, Let's talk about engines and well. Before we're going to get to that, but one quick one quick story that I did here. I don't know if we can share on the podcast. Your father was a, an officer and had. A set of handcuffs, and you used those oh. handcuffs one time on a family member. Can we tell that story? <laughs> so this might sound a little uh, effeminate, but my mother wanted us all to play a musical instrument and play it well. So uh, our family on on my grandmother's side, my dad's mother, her her uh, maiden name was Quick, and part of the Quick family had a music store over in Tucson. That would probably be my second or third cousin. Uh, I'm trying to think of his name. But he built violins, and he copied the Stradivarius, which is a very famous uh, violin and highly sought after and highly valued by those that own them. So he built me a, a copy of a Stradivarius, and I was learning the violin. It was before, you know, you know I was like, I started when I was like six years old, Played in a child's concert at the Shrine Auditorium when I was nine years old. That, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, and um, shortly after the Shrine Auditorium uh, gig, my brother was hanging around. He always, he's two years younger than me. 
Hi, John Banks. Uh, <laughs> this is my memory of, of this was I saw the handcuffs. My dad wasn't around. Uh, we had a stall shower in the house. It was a little 800-square-foot house in Linwood, uh, two-bedroom, one-bathroom, three kids, you know. On top of each yeah. other, yeah. And, uh, and uh, the shower had these four-bar, you know, uh, faucets. Like the so prong, the yeah, the prong, yeah, yeah. forehead, yeah. Yeah, and um, I said to my brother, come with me. And I pushed him into the shower and handcuffed him to the faucets with my dad's handcuffs. <laughs> And I left him there, and I'm sure he remembers it. And if he's listening, I'm, I'm sure it, I, I'm ashamed that I did it. <laughs> but somehow or another, my violin that was in the closet got stomped to splinters. Yeah, but that's not and a punishment. You're probably happy about that. Actually, in retrospect, I am. Because <laughs> that, that 31 Ford sitting out back with a blown head gasket, my dad, that was my mother's car. Uh, $35 he paid for that car. Was a I mean, listen, cherry sport coupe. Let's be honest. That's a good deal, but it's nowhere near the deal of the dollar I paid for Lockjaw. I mean... $35, a sure. dollar. Yeah, dollars, yeah. Well, solid, solid. I, I got to tell you. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> Blown head gasket, he told me to fix the head gasket. By the time I was done, it took me a couple of years, I had a four-port Riley F head on it, which made the intake valves overhead. Wyco side drive magneto. Built my own headers, first headers I ever built. Had two Winfield downdraft carburetors on, on a Winfield in, intake manifold. I mean, all the had Pontiac rods in it, had a B block with pressure oiling, a C crank with counterweights. You know, a 32 Ford four cylinder was called a Model B. Henry Ford wouldn't give up on the four cylinder and build them all as V8s, no matter how much his dad, Etzel, I mean, his son, Etzel, wanted it. Hmm. If you go on my personal Facebook, you'll see Henry and Etzel talking about a Ford V8 and a stock 32 Ford. These are sculptures of these two guys in the NHRA museum lobby. It's the headline picture on my personal Facebook right now. I, we ought to put that as a headline on, on the company one. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. And don't try to join uh, Gail's Facebook page because he's uh, at Mac his max. Maxed out. Yeah. yeah, maxed out. Actually, I haven't been on it much uh so uh, about 100 guys have bailed it's it's very hard those are all bots gail they weren't real people okay so, so the bots, yeah, bailed, the bots bailed okay yeah. so i'm at 4900 now all right so for the next uh 100 uh, listeners you too can uh, be a member of uh, gail bakes's personal fan page if you uh sign up right now <laughs> Five thousand is the limit on the, on that one i want to go back to this 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 engine that you built because where were you in your life at that time you're a young student. How are you putting that engine together? Were you learning in real time in high school slash college? Or where, how are you developing the skills? Or were you just out there wrenching blindly? Like, take us back to that moment. Wrenching blindly. They, uh, they're opening up also. No, no, no. That the sounds drum- like a great route. No, the, <laughs> the drummer has COVID, so he's... he's oh, man, everybody. Uh, COVID yeah. affects everything. I never liked awesome. him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I got a guy, George Green. We ought to get George Green to come out and be the drummer for those guys 
<laughs> I don't even remember the, the name that we just came up with. What was the band name? I don't know. <laughs> Gail playing along with the joke. It went too far. He was, right. yeah, we, yeah. we forgot we weren't expecting I found it. you another drummer. <laughs> what, what do you do? You know? All right. So take us back to that engine build. And you're, you're modding this, this engine, this B, B block. And what knowledge you, you got to understand that Linwood, Southgate, Compton w- was a hub of hot rodding. Same, same with the South Bay, those guys. Same with the Burbank area, n- North Hollywood. There's groups and car clubs. I, I was in the Paladins. Uh, there was also the Satan's Chauffeurs that younger guys were in. This is Linwood. That was, we by were the way, immersed. Chauffeurs. That's that a is great. An awesome yeah, that's name. great. And I was given him one of those plaques. I think I have it over at Fedora. You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you. I have a Satan show. World's, world's greatest man cave, by the way, we'll have to talk about. Uh, so, it's up there. Well, yeah, I mean, okay. the hot rods and handguns is pretty solid. Yeah, but that's Tim, Tim Miller. This is, no, this Horsepower is, and handguns. I'll, we'll do that over at, uh, at, the at Fedora. Fedora. Yeah. The Fedora, by the way, is uh, Gail owns uh, a old Cadillac dealership, and it's uh, been remodeled to be a speakeasy. And uh, if you're uh, friendly enough with him, you may just get an invite uh, to uh, swill his booze. Uh, have dinner with him at a uh, big, uh, giant, uh, long table and watch uh, whatever uh, movie that is bootlegged. Uh, uh, it has to do with horsepower. Or, or old. We watch... Or music also. Last, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of musicians come. We watch silent movie. Mel Brooks. Love, oh, my I God. Mel Brooks. It's hard to find that movie. I found a copy of it on... Uh, you, uh, no. There are a lot of his movies eBay. like Blazing Saddles that are going to be hard to find here. How many here. times have uh, you been to the Fedora? Uh, five? Four? Five? Somewhere in there? Yeah. All right. I think I'm, so. I think I'm one more than you, so I'm going to okay. be happy about that. Okay. You win. Yes. <laughs> so it's an awesome man cave. No, it is. It's yeah. very cool. Uh, going what, back- we, what we did was the showroom is 28 feet deep and 38 feet wide and had two cars in it. It's an, 1924, the dealership was built. 15-foot ceiling, big sheet metal stamped crown molding. I, I built a kind of a bar you you would see at the end oh, of Prohibition. The bar is unbelievable. Nickel coated or nickel plated, and it's all, you know, I don't know if it's mahogany or whatever, but, yeah. but Gail has his logo in it i mean it's just a, it's it's just beautiful it and says the the mix rail has like valve covers yeah it looks like a like it's, a flathead v8 or it's something finned like, like yeah. finned yeah. cylinder head so and cool. it says banks fedora so cool and you mix the drinks i actually wore things. a fedora to the fedora once everybody so. wears fedoras uh the thing that i was impressed with is you had to do some uh earthquake structural upgrades yet you don't really notice them in the room. They're architecturally kind of yeah. um, combined into, so when you walk in, you don't see that the, the modern That it's a seismic, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You also don't see the surround sound that is buried yeah. within the pillars. Which and is it's, very loud. And they're amazing. What I, what yeah. the, the, the true travesty of the fedora, in my, uh, in my personal opinion, Gail, uh-huh. is the fact that when you go to the fedora, you're usually there to uh, drink, yep. have dinner, and a show. Whether yes. that's music or, or a movie or whatever, we've we've uh, done done all of it. But the amount of literature and books on interesting subjects that is strewn about the room, I would love to spend an idle Sunday afternoon just reading. Then you, it's like the perfect reading room. Goddamn, come and do it. All right, because I've you I've know, perused your books, going. 
I'd read that. I'd read that. I'm like, I'm like the the first bookshelf only, and I'm ten books in, and all ten of them I want to read, and there's a th- <laughs> thousand books in there. So I just, uh, you know, and I'm buying some new ones all the time. I mean, I would just sit and in the corner. G- Gail, just give, just just let me know how to get in. I won't. I won't even drink your booze. I'll just quietly sit in the corner and read, and I'll let myself out. It's, and we're trying to lying right to his face when you say you're not going to drink. Yeah, his booze. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I want you to drink the booze, Gail. I'll come there. I'll drink your booze, and I'll let myself out when they're empty. In this room, there's a wall. When I let the screen down, it it covers this wall with all the actors and actresses of of the 20s, 30s, 40s, like that. The room is set in 1933. The repeal of the Volstead Act, prohibition, happened in 1933, and it broke out. I mean, people celebrated. Now you could drink openly and legally. There's a college professor who, who who's advocating open use of heroin. I, I saw that to, uh, yesterday. I, I'm just going, in the Volstead Act? Yeah, right. Yeah, why, yeah. <laughs> right. What the hell? So uh, the Ford 999, the car that beat Winton, I think they were racing on Lake St. Clair when it was frozen in the wintertime, and it was Ford versus Winton. Ford hired someone. Ford had been in business and went bankrupt twice. He failed twice. This was his third time. And... The 999 was just this open wooden frame thing with, with this engine out in the air and a tiller to steer with that had like two upright handles on it. It was almost impossible to drive. Henry Ford could not compete with the car. So they, they hired a motorcycle racer named Barney Oldfield to drive the car. They raced. The Winton was faster, but it broke. The Ford, not built by Ford, mind you, and not driven by Ford, won the race. This was pivotal in Ford Motor Company's fortunes. If if you hear a recounting of this history and it's told differently, uh, then it's not authentic or honest. I have a model of the 999 and a picture of Barney Oldfield sitting on the center speaker in that sound system, right at the front of that room. I pay homage to Ford Motor Company and Barney Oldfield. He's the guy. And the durability of that car, that beat out Winton. And who the hell's Winton at at this, you know? I mean, you ever see a movie called The Reavers? No. Steve uh, McQueen. It's one of his movies. And he had that guy um, that does custom cars, uh, who's now out in the desert, still alive, doing custom cars, uh, who, who built the cars for... Uh, uh, Not Barris. No. Okay. No. Uh, Winfield. Gene Winfield. Oh. He had Gene... I believe it was Gene Winfield. Might have been another... I, I might be offending a friend of mine, but one of the old-time rod builders who also built customs built a Winton Flyer with a flywheel on it that was kind of off, out of balance, and made the car kind of go up and down as the engine was idling and running. That was a Winton Flyer in the Reavers. So you know who just died, and you told me about it, 
Bruce Meyer. Yeah. Myers Manx. Myers Manx. Yep. Which he, takes me to to Hall of Famer, off road Hall of Famer. The Thomas Crown Affair with Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway in that Myers Manx on the beach, running that thing into the wind, and her hair blowing. Oh Jesus. I don't know. I don't know. I, I kind of fell in love with Faye Dunaway and I, w- I was already doing stuff with Steve. He had an outfit called Solar Seating Company that made dune buggy seats and all that. I had them in my speed shop. I, I was a solar seating company guy. Back to how did I hot rod that Model A Ford? Put a V8 in it? Nope. <laughs> I didn't want to do that. The Fedora, I love the 20s, the 30s, and the early 40s. Hot rodding started back then. Guys were hot rodding Model Ts and circle racing them, building everything, including early sprint cars or midgets with those engines. Front neck, cylinder heads, the front ETs, they called them. I wanted to make that an authentic pre-war hot rod, no V8. My buddy was putting a 392 Chrysler in his, you know, or probably at that time a 331 Chrysler. But I hot-rodded. That thing was authentic. It makes you cry. If, if, if you're a guy who's nostalgic about the speed equipment business and racing engines, the stuff that was in that engine, I mean, you know, I had a 39 Ford gearbox in it. I had chopped the flywheel. You could almost read through the flywheel. I took so much weight off the flywheel. Everything about that thing was cool. I could blow off inline six, 51, 52 Chevys with it, with, a, with that four banger. I, I, I took it from 40 horsepower nominally to 105. Uh, that reminds me uh, when you're talking about, uh, you know, the things that would make you cry if you, you know, could go back in time and see what was lost to time, I guess. And yeah. it reminds me of the time you and I walked around the uh, the Peter uh, the Peterson Automotive Museum. And actually, I was recently at the Peterson Automotive Museum because they're closed right now for COVID and got a private tour for the podcast on their uh, Extreme Vehicles exhibition. Yes. And uh, the last time I was there was when you were my personal docent. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't remember if we've talked about this before, but uh, Bruce Meyer, another Bruce, not the, not the Myers-Manx, Bruce Myers, uh, was a friend of yours, and yeah. who was, uh, I think he was on the head of the board or chairman of the Pete at one point. And he got Bob Peterson to buy that building. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So his family's in real estate, huge car collector. You and I had yes. a chance to go to his place. By the way, when you go to Bruce's place, um, some people have cars from Le Mans. He has the one that won it. Some people have a uh, Shelby Cobra. He has number one. Yeah. Like some people have an Indian motorcycle. He has the one that won that one race. You know, like yeah. like every car he has a significant history. I think it's like some people have a Mercedes 300 SL. He has Clark Gable's 300. You know, yeah, it's yeah, like that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, yeah, absolutely. And 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 he's a very and he's a cool guy. He's a cool guy, right? Yeah. And, and, and no pretension, not at all. He's very yeah. he's very humble, but yeah. very successful. But what I do enjoy. Is like I, you know, you go to his place, and he could have been more, you know, more hospitable to us. I mean, he was just an amazing guy. Uh, and we were there, and you told me a story of um, how you know Bruce has this great car collection, and and you have a GT Ford GT40 or GT the the, yeah. the first generation, the one that came out for the hundredth anniversary, 
And by the way, I saw it here in the shop today, and I saw it on the Banks to, uh, Instagram page. I'm like, Gail still hasn't. He's been promising me a ride in that thing for literally I, about 15 years. I'm putting a new dry sump belt. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I don't when, want it. When that's done, let me know because I still need my ride. Anyway, Gail told me the story. That, that car will kill you. I, I don't. There's no nanny state. I know, I know. It's all 550 horsepower, 5.4 mod motor, supercharged. I mean, it's the, it's beautiful and yeah, it's tuned by beyond the factory rating. But it's it's anyway. I still want my. I've, I'm not even asking to drive it. I just just take me around the block once, and that's that's all I need. And I saw that it made its way to the shop, and it reminded me that I've never gotten a ride. But it also reminded me of a story where you told me. So by the way, Bruce again. Bruce has. Cars upon cars upon oh, cars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Gail said to me when we were walking around the Peterson, uh, and there was this silver collection, and one of the cars in there was Bruce's Ferrari Testarossa. Mm-hmm. Um, g- unbelievably gorgeous. It's it's a million-dollar car, every bit of a million-dollar car, if it, not more. It's probably it's a more multi-million-dollar car now. And we were walking around, and Gail says, let me tell you a story about that car. And he goes, uh, Bruce was coming over for lunch, so I thought it would be fun if I parked my Ford GT out front. And Bruce comes up it, in his it's Testarossa. Actually, it, was actually in the, it was actually in the back. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it might have been in uh, uh, one of my gear, gearhead deals that I used to do at oh, the house. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, at home. So Gail sort of thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my cool car out because yeah. Bruce is coming over. And then Bruce, has, by the way, you know, the, the, the GT is worth every bit of a 250 to 400 now or something like that. Yeah, I mean, they're unbelievable. They the prices have gone crazy. But when your friend brings something that's 10 times that value to lunch... And parks right parks. next to your... <laughs> now, now, what the hell? I don't know why the Testarossa is worth so much. I know that they were... It's not the Testarossa limited. you're thinking of. It's not the 80s one that has the streaks. It's, it's not. the original Testarossa. Like a real... like. It's not the Miami Vice Testarossa. It way predates that. Oh, okay. I don't know what year I'm it is. I'm unfamiliar with that, uh, that yeah, car. It's an unbelievably gorgeous hand-built Ferrari. It's, it's, it's an amazing piece. Uh, it's museum quality. It has been in museums. It has also been parked next it to might be in, It might be in the Pete right it now. It might be there right now. Yeah. But that, that was funny. And, and the other thing is when I was walking around the Pete with, uh, with uh, a very nice lady who took me around was Bruce was going to meet us and then take us to the Pete because it was right after it got redesigned and, and renovated. And he had to run to a meeting. So he told Gail and I, your names are there as VIPs, checking at the desk and go have fun on me. And so Gail and I walked around. And literally, I have forgotten more than Gail. You know, all the things that Gail told me, I've forgotten the majority of it because I was in awe and I wish I would have recorded it. Because oh, we're I, going, Gail's like, would have made a good podcast. Well, it was pre-podcast. Oh, okay. And uh, we're walking around. Gail goes, oh, yeah, see that guy? You see that uh, that, that uh, Offenhauser? Right? Well, that guy worked for so-and-so who screwed him, so we went to that machine shop and then, <laughs> then he did this. Oh, 100 horsepower per liter. Yeah, it might have been good in that day, but I think it was a piece of crap. And that, oh, this is awesome. You really need it. And he's telling me, like... <laughs> The backside of history that you would never hear from anyone about this guy worked for so-and-so and made that part. I know that guy. Because the thing about Gail is he's one of the originals that lived through there that's still here with yeah. us. Yeah. And it was such a treat. It was just me and Gail. We're walking around the museum, and I'm just like, there's no, I wasn't prepared for the onslaught of It was just a knowledge. waterfall of not It a, was yeah. like drinking from a fire hose. And everything, <laughs> every exhibit we went to, Gail had a story or a background on it, and I'm like, there's nobody who could have taken me around the Peterson ever who could have given me that kind of color on what was going on. Yeah, and, a lot of docents never... know the visible published stuff. Yeah. 
They and, don't know the backstories. I mean, you know, Gail's like, oh, well, they're... This Jay one. Leno knows the backstories on, on most of his stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah Jay, I, I love, I love walking around with Jay. I'd love to go back. I, I, I know. have been to his place a couple times for different media things, but man, I'd love just to spend an afternoon admiring. His his place is unbelievable. If if Bruce if Bruce Myers' place is a 10, Jay Leno's place is like a 30. I mean, it's not that nothing it, against Bruce Mars. Not at all. Nothing. Everything because his stuff is is the best of everything. Absolutely rare. Yeah. But the thing that Jay has is the vo- sheer volume of that kind of stuff. I think uh, Bruce is very curated. He likes what he likes. He's got certain things that he's really into. Yeah. Jay sort of has one of everything, and they're all really interesting. And and I've I've been blessed to kind of go to both places and just be in awe. You know, like I wish I could just go back. Just like I wish I could go to the Fedora and just read books. I wish I could just go to Bruce's or Jay's place and just sit there and soak it in. I'll tell you what. I owe Jay a visit. Uh, one of the guys over there is remodeling his house uh, and just hit me up t- today for uh, uh, structural engineering reference, which I'm, I gave him a reference and the guy was dead. <laughs> See what? A, it's not gonna help him. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm finding. Strangely, him he one. died in a uh, building collapse. So yeah, it was very yeah. Odd. yeah. <laughs> but uh, Bernard Euclid yeah. has moved on. He's gone up to Washington State. He's oh, really? Living uh, in uh, on an island. Now Bernard is famously his full time mechanic, right? Jay's yeah. full time mechanic. Yep. Unbelievable yeah. guy. We uh, Bernard's ho- been at your Christmas parties before, and Ber- I've had a chance to talk Bernard to him. is a dear friend of yeah, mine. Very I mean, cool guy. We couldn't be any. Uh, I'd do anything for him, and he'd do anything for me. I, I believe he's very sharp. God, he's sharp. Yeah, and um, he can you know build things that don't exist for antique cars where there are no, no parts, no drawings, no nothing, and he can make it happen. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's uncanny good. So uh, if I go to Jay's, I'll take you both. I would love that. I would love to. I mean, I'll give you a heads up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my uh, So back when he introduced the 572 Leno Big Block for General Motors, we had a little media press deal there. Yep. And I had been a journalist for about eight minutes, and I got the assignment to go. And I told my mom, I'm like, I they're sending me to Jay Leno's place in Burbank. Like this is my, you know, my mom's like, wow, that's that's really cool. Do you think you'll get to meet him? I'm like, yeah, we're, we're it's all about Jay. So we get there and BJ's Pizza is catered, and I remember the pizza and salad. And so we're standing around, and every there's some media people, and we're all just John and talking and stuff. And I remember Jay looked at me and he goes, Hey, you want another piece of pizza? And I'm thinking. Jay Leno just freaking asked me if I want pizza. You know, it's so weird. And uh, we're, we're, he gives us a tour, and it's just, I'm just everything you see is just awe inspiring. And, and um, Bernard was there, and he said, "Does anybody want to go for a ride in the Stanley Steamer R?" And it's like, ah, hell yeah! So he has this Bernard, is the racing, the racing version. Yeah. So he has it's a steam car. It's uh, early 1900s, like 195, six, seven, something like that, and. Uh, has them firing it, fire, you know, firing it up, and uh, it, it takes a while to get a steam car going. You don't just turn it on and go. It's a twenty-minute process of valves and fuel and water and doing all these things, and it makes all these like steamy noises and sounds. It's really cool. 
And at the time, if you remember uh, Jay's jet bike that had the turbine engine, I remember he had just put on a uh, license plate, one of those red LED license plate frames that scrolled uh, a message across the back. And if I remember correctly, it said, uh, stay back, jet, hot jet blast or something yeah. to those effect. Yeah. Because what had happened is he was out riding it, and people would notice it was Jay Leno on this cool-looking bike, so they'd pull up close to get a photo, and he was melting their bumpers off. Uh, and so he... <laughs> if they had plastic. If they had a plastic bumper. Yeah. And so Jay was talking about that, and he did this you know, jet bike up and down the street a few times. It was very cool. And then he pulls out the Stanley Steamer R after it's going, and, and out front, he's like, all right, who wants to go for a ride? And so a couple people wander over, and they get in the back seat. And I'm just standing there because I'm new. I'm gonna, I got to pay my dues. I get that I don't get to sit next to Jay Leno to go drive up Burbank Boulevard. I'm nobody. And then he looks at me and he goes, got a seat. I still got a seat open. And it's right next to him in the front row of a Stanley Steamer R. And we're going to go up Burbank Boulevard. And this was before I had a BlackBerry or an iPhone or any of that kind of stuff. And I jumped in the front seat and Jay's got his goggles on and we're driving up Burbank Boulevard in a steam-powered car. He's waving at people and honking the awooga horn. And, uh, and I'm just like, this is weird. But awesome, you know, yeah. and, and told my mom, you know, it's like, this is, I, I can't even, you know, this is probably almost 20 years ago now. And uh, just like, I'm, I was driving in a steam car with Jay Leno, right? <laughs> you know, it's just one of those experiences where, and I've had the, uh, I've met him on occasion since then three or four times and just the nicest guy you could ever meet. Yes. Gail has an awesome Jay Leno story, but I'm not going to let him share it here because this is where we wrap up part one of Galisode Trace. We're coming back next week with part two of the Galisode. Stick around, guys. All right, Holman, let's change gears and get into some truck news. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Yes, 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 yes. High five me on that one. Come here. Nice. Well done. Thank you. Buddy work right there. Solid buddy work. Speaking of ads on your car, Lightning, did you hear? No! Uh, Ford wants to bring billboards inside your car beamed to your dashboard screen. No. You would probably like that Mm-mm. because... No. 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 Hell no. 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 Mm-mm. No. 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 You would just say that it was uh, uh, advanced technology, and then you'd be yes, 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 no, yes, yes. No, I don't. I don't. I don't want extra billboards. I want more ads no, around me. No. No. God no. No. More. <laughs> uh, I don't even know where to start. How about uh, why? 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 How did this even come up? Billboards. What do you mean? Like from that's... your license plates. There's no, an no. article about Ford. Wanting to beam billboards inside your car. I know. Why inside your car? Like, what are you talking about? I'm not reading any more about that. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to give it the air in the room. Okay. Refuse. All right. I'll back you up on that. Darn it. All right. Well, you got to have more Ford news in there because the F-150 Lightning just dropped. Oh, did it? Yes. All right. What do you Uh, got? Lightning, did you hear? No. It should be yes. Of course you heard. According to uh, Ford, the truck of the future is here, the all-electric Ford F-150 Lightning. That's right, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I'll care when they have the F-150 Holman, but until then, Mm -hmm. just read this press release. 
Um, all right, we've got. Uh, Did you like how President Biden went out and got like the jump on it, but they wouldn't spill all the beans? He's like, I mean, he, he showed up at Ford a few days in he advance, spilled some beans like acceleration, and then he tried to run over a journalist or threatened to. And <laughs> I, I don't know with uh, with Uncle Joe behind the wheel. Uh-huh. I think everybody needs to steer clear. Now, where, was he wearing the mask over his mouth or his eyes? <laughs> I'm just hoping that he had it on autonomous mode. Uh-huh. All right, uh, superpower only electric can deliver. The F-Series, America's best-selling truck for 44 years now, uh, has uh, the Ford F-150 Lightning, which will uh, offer full battery electrification and uh, is packed with connected technology. It delivers a targeted 563 horsepower and 775 pound-feet of torque, the most of uh, any F-150 ever. Uh, Ford's calling it an exhilarating drive with a high-tech frunk and the ability to power your home if needed. The uh, F-150 Lightning offers an uh, array of connected, intelligent features that improve over time via over-the-air software updates. The Ford Pass app will provide seamless access to charging stations. And by the way, I love how they say that. There's like, it'll improve over time, not we'll right. fix bugs as we find right, them. Right, right. It's it'll it improve over time, yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, you'll also be able to have remote vehicle controls, the available Blue Cruise, offering uh, true hands-free driving on the highway while enhanced Pro power onboard powers job sites or campsites, or as they uh, said previously, your home. Uh, powered by dual inboard motors with a standard 4x4, the F-150 Lightning is a crew cab and can take on rough terrain with the built-for tough durability and capability, along with a high-strength military-grade aluminum alloy body, a new independent rear suspension that delivers improved ride and comfort, and an all-new frame uses the strongest steel ever put into an F-150 frame and supports a maximum 2,000-pound payload and up to 10,000 pounds of towing. That's respectable, sure. But this is just, a, this was your fear, that it was going to be an F-150, uh, just a regular old dual-cab F-150 with an electrified powertrain. I mean, it's a little bit more than that, I guess. It is, right. And the reviews from what they showed has been pretty positive, but... I'm interested, hard but, to get but super excited. I, I'm 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 little less interested than I was in the last episode, and here's why. I'm looking at getting the Coyote and putting the Whipple 3.8 liter supercharger on it, and I'm going to get 700 horsepower, potentially to the ground. This thing's got five. Now, granted, the torque is insane, uh, and it's instant on, but mid four second range, zero to sixty. Hmm. Uh, when equipped with the extended range battery, so what does that mean? I don't uh, know. Right, and what's it starts. The, the, what's the price? Well, the fleet package they're saying. Uh, so basically, eighteen uh, inch wheels, maximum ten thousand pound towing. Uh, you get XLT or Lariat truck with an extended range battery, and max tow, lower center of gravity because all the batteries are, are mounted low. They're saying that the commercial oriented entry model starts at thirty nine nine seventy four. That's much lower than you and I thought about. Way less yeah. before any federal state credits. Hmm. While the mid XLT, so mid range, starts at fifty two nine seventy four. So okay. quite a jump from base to uh, mid. Yeah. Uh, Ford's also saying that uh, making its debut on the F one fifty Lightning in the Lariat and Platinum series is Sync Four A, which is a sleek modern interface uh, supported by fifteen point five inch touchscreen and designed to adapt to driver behavior. Sync Four A employs natural voice control. Cloud-connected navigation and wireless access to your favorite services, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, integrated Amazon Alexa, and Sync AppLink apps. 
And uh, elevating the digital experience even further, of course, this is according to Ford, uh, is a 12-inch instrument cluster featuring a customizable interface that instills confidence by naturally surfacing key information with animated graphics. But they have that now. Like, you can get in the uh, 2021 yeah, Ford. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're making it cool, cooler. Right, sounding, yeah, I guess. gotcha. Um, the F-150 Lightning will be available with Ford Intelligent Backup Power, turning your truck into the ultimate power source for your home. It has the ability to offload 9.6 kilowatts of power. Ford Intelligent Backup Power keeps the lights on during an outage while providing security by providing power for home appliances and security systems and more. So I think uh, you saw some of that during the Texas uh, cold out where the hybrid was able to do that. Right. So, of course, Ford said, oh, we should make sure that people know the battery one will do it, too. Uh, with Ford Intelligent Backup Power enabled by the available 80-amp Ford Charge Station Pro and Home Management System that Ford can, of course, help you install, the F-150 Lightning automatically kicks into power your house. Once power is restored, the truck autom- automatically reverts to charging its battery. Uh, based on an average 30 kilowatt of use per day, the F-150 Lightning with extended range battery provides full home power for up to three days or as long as 10 days if power is rationed. So that's a that's a crazy amount of power in that thing. Hmm. How are you feeling about it, though? I mean, it's from a tech standpoint, it's cool, but yeah, it's, it's not. Cool. It's it's. I mean, oh, okay. How about this? This is the thing that'll totally turn everybody. Is uh, the hood underneath it is a versatile high tech mega power frunk with dedicated storage that's secure, lockable, and easily accessible by powered open and powered closed system. The spacious area targets 400 liters of volume and 400 pounds of payload, enough to stow two carry on bags and one check bag or two sets of golf clubs. Those are some heavy golf clubs. Um, it's uh, they have the grill attached to the hood, so it's sort of like the reverse of a like hatchback on a minivan or something like that, where right. you know bumper height loading and stuff. So I think that I mean that's kind of cool. Um, Do you feel like this is not the lightning? This is the lightning they thought we needed, not the lightning we wanted. Well, it's the, not the lightning we wanted. Right. It's probably the lightning that'll sell because it's you know. Yeah. They, they are smarter than we are, so. I, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Okay. One listen to this show uh, proves that. Uh, and then also <laughs> it has a lot of the F-150, uh, you know, options like the fold-out interior work surface and max recline seats, you know, all that kind of good stuff. So anyway, uh, arriving in spring of 22 will be available in four series, two battery options at uh, more than 2,300 EV certified Ford dealers around the country. Uh, with the option for fleet customers to access Ford's complete ecosystem of connected data and telematics services via Ford Commercial Solutions. So a lot of you guys who have work trucks, that'd be interesting to find out. Do any of your companies plan on uh, swapping over to a full battery electric F-150? And will that be your new work truck? What do you guys think? Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. I'm going to ask my neighbor. So there's uh, four F-150s on my block. Which would you normally want me? Uh, it would it would make me not want to get one because there's so many on my block. It's just it's just I'm, I'd just be another one. And of those four, Holman, how many are modified? Zero. Zero is correct. And they are all fleet vehicles. Well, there's a gray one and three white ones. You're telling me that they're all fleet vehicles and there's not and, a toolbox in them? Uh, no, actually, not an all. No, none. There's nothing done to them. None. They're bone freaking stock. I'm and, going to and, your house. Taking pictures, and I will show you that something is modified on. Well, one of okay, them. of of the four, maybe there's something I didn't see, but uh, it's incredible. So there, there, numbers about you know the most popular vehicle, or whatever. Like the, the the Ford Fleet service is second to none. Like they're just it, they're all fleet. And so these guys, where I want to know is where do these trucks go when they come off fleet? Because there's some nice ones. Like the guy, my neighbor, he's this absolutely cherry. He's like a foreman on a construction site, but never goes in the dirt, and it is 
it looks brand new, and, and he's about to turn it in. I'm like, where's it going? He goes, I don't know. My, my company's got 70 of them. Yeah, it probably goes to Holman, auction. Holman, 70. Well, go buy one of those. I don't know where they go. Well, you can find out. I, he didn't know. Somebody knows the fleet guy. Somebody What does, does he do? Yes. He just leaves the keys in the, in the ignition, and somebody from work it's, picks it up and craziest drops off a new, oh, no, that happens at my house. Dude, yeah, that's exactly what happened. He, he fills out a form online on his company site, and he just, yeah, I don't know what he does with them. I'll, I'll ask him again. I walk by his house every day with the dogs, and I'm like, hey, what's up with your truck? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, stop asking, douche. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Lightning, did you hear? No. No, I did not. Uh, Toyota just put out a teaser of the 2022 Toyota Tundra. Uh, tell me more, please. Uh, it's got an aggressive front end. It looks like it has light bars in the grill. It has Raptor-like uh, uh, and TRX-style uh, clearance lights on it, so I don't know if that's styling or if it means it's a wider, uh, if the Pro is going to be a, a, a more meaningful model with more performance than the current Tundra Pro. Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's I a love the Tundra. backlit truck uh, with a purplish-red background. Lots of LEDs. God, my neighbor's got a brand new Tundra with that uh, that concrete gray, whatever it's called. I've never been a fan of the Tundra. And he's got some black rhino wheels on there, and it is so it's one of the oldest looking beautiful. trucks. I don't care. Completely cheap. Don't the care. The interior's awful. Uh, maybe so. I can't disagree on the interior, but man, I love the exterior. Damn. The lines are just so good on that truck. Damn, I love that truck. Did I say really? that already? I swear what, to you, I love the truck. What about the Tundra makes you I swoon. just, the lines. I think the Tacoma's a better oh, looking truck than no. the Tundra is. Oh, hell no. Oh, yeah, the Tundra No, I know I'm right. pitching off people, the, but. The Tundra, is, the proportions are all wrong. Oh, it's no. Pug no. nose. Oh, I love it's it. has got the rear doors are no, all weird. totally love it. Totally yeah, love I it. I hope this one. So uh, much room in the back seat. Well, that's all of them. Uh, not all of them, no. Literally all of them. Well, the Tacoma has doesn't have a ton it's of It's not a full size. I know. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Well, I'm comparing to another Toyota. Uh, anyway, uh, what what we don't know about is the uh, twin turbo 3.5 liter V6 that has not been uh, uh, officiated officiated uh, mm-hmm. by uh, Toyota uh, or the possible suspension changes. I think we know that it has coil springs in the back. I don't think we know if it's solid or IRS. I'll have to look at the spy photo. So I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, Toyota confirms the electric Tundra will be offered as well as a hybrid model. So uh, not too many details right now, but you can head over to uh, trucktrend.com or fourwheeler.com or even motortrend.com and uh, see a picture of uh, the new truck. No. Okay. <laughs> then don't do it, but go get yourself a electrified license plate. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No! No! No, I did not. Apparently, uh, Uncle Joe, when he was driving the F-150, said the 0-60 to 60 time... Uh, would be uh, about 4.4 seconds. That's pretty quick. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? I mean, no, no. No, I did not. Uh, The 2022 GMC Hummer EV pickup is guess how many pounds? (sighs) 30,000. No, uh, I'm kidding. It is uh, 9,500. 9,046 pounds for a uh, full tilt, fully loaded Edition 1 model. Yeah. We in the club. We in the club. Yeah, we are. We rolling deep. <laughs> uh, really? That, okay. Uh, yep. Uh, but with specs like 1,000 horsepower, uh-huh. 11,500 pound-feet of torque, which I still don't know how they're getting that, uh, and 0 to 60 time in three seconds, uh, I think- uh, 0 to 60 in three <laughs> yeah, seconds. Three seconds. Uh, what? Yeah. Is this the Tesla Roadster? By the way, just in case you're uh, curious, the uh, heaviest 
You can outfit a 2021 Ford F450 Dually. Mm-hmm. Curb weight is 8,587 pounds. Oh, my so God. So the Hummer's another uh, 500 pounds, just barely short of 500 pounds more than that. That's like you, me, and some Wiener Schnitzel in every F450 Dually to get it up Damn. to uh, the Hummer Curb weight. Damn, that thing is heavy. Yeah. That's what she said. Of course, the batteries are uh, crazy heavy, and of course, uh, GM is uh, claiming that the Ultium battery provides 350 miles of range, which if that's real- Because it's all battery. On a 9,000-pound vehicle that is shaped like a brick that yeah. goes 80, turning 35-inch tires, yeah, I would imagine you'd need a Look, lot of Look, it, it seats only one person. Everything else is battery. <laughs> Just extra batteries. God. More batteries, please. Yep. Uh, hey, uh, did you hear? No, no, no. No, I did not. Uh, If you guys are curious about why the Chevy Silverado HD trucks don't get the multi-flex tailgate, as you know, it started on the GMCs, uh, then went to the Silverado 1500s last year. Well, uh, Is that because GMC is flexing on Chevy? They were, but for uh, 2022, the multi-flex tailgate will be available on the 2500 and 3500 models of the uh, Silverado. So you uh, Chevy guys, you get the Chevy heavies. You uh, get your uh, shot at a cool tailgate. Finally. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No! Nope. In other Chevy news, uh, the 2022 Chevy Silverado 1500 is likely to get a uh, a fresh face that gets away from those uh, sideburns or jowls really? that everybody loves so much. What's funny about it is that it's actually kind of grown on me. Yeah, I, and me as well. It doesn't bother me at all. No, I saw one uh, lifted at the yeah. uh, diesel drags up in Sacramento not too long ago, and I really kind of liked yeah, it. Yeah, and they're super distinctive, but it's, uh, I guess, uh, GM coward in the face <laughs> of all the uh, hate. In the face <laughs> of their own truck? No no, uh, no word on when the HD gets uh, redesigned on the front end, which I think is in way more need of a redesign than the, right. uh, than the 1500. So uh, you Chevy haters can uh, either... Stop hating or hate some more, depending on uh, what happens there. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. So we've talked about it before, but it sounds like uh, the 2022 Ford Raptor R uh, will have the 5.2-liter supercharged Predator V8 from the Shelby GT350. Um, Wow. So in the Mustang, that's 760 horsepower and 625 (laughs) pound-feet of torque. Oh, but I would imagine that they want to eclipse TRX's 650 pound-feet of torque. And I you know, don't know, usually in that kind of uh, crazy environment, you probably want some you know, componentry truckified. Mm-hmm. So who knows what, uh, what's actually going to be different about the drivetrain. But I think at this point, it's pretty safe to say that, uh, that the Predator V8 is going to be what powers the Raptor R. What the tune will be, what the updates will be to make it survive in uh, dirt and desert duty uh, remains to be seen. Should we check in with our friend Corey Willis of PPEI, who just uh, purchased and experienced his uh, a TRX? Uh, yeah, we could do that. I mean, I know you've been having a, you've had seat time in the TRX. I've got one coming. And, what do you mean you've got one coming? I've got one coming. Should have mine in uh, June. What are you talking about? My TRX. What does that mean? You've got one coming. You didn't uh, buy one. I have a TRX. That's my that's the, the winner of the four wheeler pickup truck of the year. Shut the front door. You have a, a, a you're going to drive one for a year? Yeah. How do you not know this? Because you haven't said anything about it? I've said who the winner was on the show. 
I don't automatically think uh, Holman for a day job gets to drive the truck he awards the prize to. Blah blah blah. I mean, well, it's, I mean that's not necessarily how it works. It kind it's, of is. Well, no, it's not about me. It's the the group of panelists and judges decide and, on the vehicle, and you get to drive the we, one. We all get to drive it. When you say we all, yes, the people on staff at Four Wheeler Magazine. And how much seat time do you get to compare to your subordinates? Uh, whatever. If somebody came up to me and said, I want to borrow the TRX for the weekend, here's the keys. Or I might be driving our EcoDiesel JL, or I might be driving our manual transmission JT. You're just jealous. I, you're damn I right am, I am. I'm, I'm not taking Of course I am. Listen, Are you mental? Of, not, oh, yes. I'm wildly jealous. I'm not taking you for any TRX rides with that attitude, mister. <sighs> you're picking it up in, you said June or July? Uh, I, th- I don't know when it's coming. It's the July... Or June, or June, or July. But Shut it's, it's, the front door. It's soonish. It's soonish. That's nuts. Why? Because you're going to get one for a year. Yeah, it's just a super truck. <laughs> just a super truck. You should have seen how he tried to sell that right now. He looked right at my face, and he's like, it's just a super truck. Yeah. As if it's like a Volkswagen. Right. It's just very similar. <laughs> they both uh, have engines, and they get you from point A to point B. Sure, one much faster than the other. But why is that a problem? Who said it was a problem? Uh, it's a problem if you don't swing by my house and pick me up and go for a desert run. <laughs> we'll think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Hey, listen, if you guys have any questions or comments that you want us to uh, pass along to Mr. Gail Banks, we can do it before we hit the next episode in, uh, let's see, it's part trace se- section duo. Show three, part two. Oh, there you go. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show, oh, oh. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. That is truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave a voicemail, 657-205-6105, 657-205-6105. That is the five-star hotline. Or, of course, you can hit us up on uh, the old socials at LBC Lightning on the Gram or at Sean P. Holman or at Truck Show Podcast. We're, uh, we're pretty good. I'm, I've been pretty good lately about answering... DMs on the gram, so at Truck Show Podcast, hit us up, and uh, I think I've knocked them all out, gotten back to most people. I had this long conversation with a guy named Shane, good dude, sending me all kinds of photos. We kind of geeked out for a little while, so anyway, uh, don't go nuts, answering as fast as I can, at Truck Show Podcast on the gram. I'm just going to listen to the bed. I'll, I'll, I'll turn it up, here we go. Jam! I feel like we're at a country show. Don't you want to sing along? Burn. No, not really. No. I'm going to. Truck show karaoke. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. I'm excited about episode 176 when we continue the Gale-isode. Part trace? Dose? What is it? Oh, it's... Uh, uh, duh. Duh. <laughs> duh. Duh, lightning. <laughs> All right, so looking forward to connecting you guys with Gale for uh, one more awesome episode. But until then, we want to thank our presenting sponsor, Nissan who, uh, without them, we wouldn't have the Truck Show podcast. So if you are in the market for a half-ton truck, please uh, take uh, take a drive down to your local Nissan dealer. You know what? I'm going to give them one big yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy! They deserve it. They do deserve it. So uh, thanks, guys. But uh, head on down to your local Nissan dealership where you can check out the Nissan Titan or Nissan Titan XD in person, the most standard V8 horsepower in its class, 11,040 pounds of towing in the Nissan Titan XD, and the industry's best warranty, five-year 100,000 miles. And if you find out that the Titan's a little bit too much truck, just uh, wait a little bit longer because the 2022 Nissan Frontier is right around the corner. So head over to that dealership or NissanUSA.com where you can build and price the Nissan truck of your dreams. Holman, this is where we launch into Duralast.
Oh, you mean that uh, great brand uh, that you can uh, find at AutoZone? Yes, that one where they have thousands upon thousands of parts that are made as good or better than OE quality. Or at DuraLastParts.com where you can find chassis parts, vehicle electronics, batteries, brakes, starters and alternators, shocks and loaded struts, and even tools. DuraLast has everything you need to uh, get that job done and get your busted old ugly truck out of the yard and back on the road. Look, when you, you've got options when it comes to uh, you know replacement parts, but when you're buying a DuraLast part, you know you're getting really top quality at a really good price. So hit our friends at DuraLastParts.com or just walk into your local AutoZone. And when you're thinking about exhaust systems, you want T304. So T304, you got various grades of stainless steel. We got mild steel, which sucks because it rusts all the way through. Then you got like 409, you got aluminized 409. Then the top, the creme de la creme, is T304 stainless steel. You can even polish it, like mirror polish. If you go to SEMA, all those exhaust systems that are mirrored, those are T304. That's what Borla offers. They only have 304 stainless steel exhausts. You mean I could even get an exhaust like that on my daily driver? Yes, you can at Borla.com. How about uh, something that's proudly made in the USA? Also at Borla.com. I need a million-mile warranty because I drive a lot. At Borla.com. And I really hate exhaust that drone. You're not going to find one of those at Borla.com. How about if I have a 2.3-liter EcoBoost and a Ranger? Can I I get something for that? You'll find one that will make it sound like a manly machine at (laughs) Borla.com. And much like that ranger leaving the line, I think it's about time for us to leave this studio behind. Episode 175 was awesome, but 176 with our part two of Gale is going to be even better. Why are you doing bedtime stories? I don't know. Hi, I'm Troy McClure, and you may remember me from such awful interviews on podcasts as this one on The Truck Show. (laughs) Fortunately, 176 will be even better, and that's because we've got Gale Banks part two. The only thing that could top that is me and Billy Bargain. Wait a minute. Troy McClure and Billy Bargain are in the same room together? My head's gonna explode! Oh, Billy! What's up, Billy? Well, I didn't home and I'm so excited to be back. I haven't been here in months. I don't know why you guys will not let me on the show. But it seems like you'll let Mr. Gale Banks on the show whenever you want. Oh, I need Mike Finnegan on the show. Yeah, just come on up. But Billy Bargain, I'm free all the time and I got nothing. I don't get a phone call. You don't send me mail. I don't get a text. Hell, I don't even have an alligator in my pond and I don't even know what that means. Now, wait a minute. Troy, step up and have a conversation with Billy. Hi, Troy! I've been a big fan of you forever! Hi, Billy Bargain. (laughs) How do you like my super radio announcer voice? I don't! We should end the show, because this bit is getting really old! (laughs) All right, we'll see you later, guys. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Motor Trend Group. This podcast was created and produced by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan of the Truck Show Podcast, we encourage you to visit and patronize our sponsors. 